with gender neutral bathrooms. There, I said it. Most of the time when I go into a gender neutral bathroom, somebody has just taken a big stinky dump. At some point, cisgendered people figured out that they now had a nice private bathroom where they could go and take all of their dumps. It's gross. Use your own bathrooms. No. In the name of gender equality, I will take the steamiest, nastiest dumps in all of the women's bathrooms. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. My name is Lukardowski here of WeAreChange.org, and we have an amazing show for you here today, as, of course, we are going to be going live for the next two hours with Vivek Ramaswamy in our studio. He is set to arrive in just a few minutes from now. And of course, the conversation definitely is going to get spicy when we go over to Rumble, where we are going to be continuing the second hour of this conversation. And you, the viewer, actually gets to call in with a live video question that is unscripted, unedited. Who knows what will happen? Who knows what will pop out? Who knows what will be shown? It's all done in the moment, live, unfiltered, unedited on rumble.com forward slash we are changed. Of course, right now we are streaming on multiple platforms. Share this video with your friends and family members as, of course, we have a lot of very curious and interesting questions for Vivek Ramaswamy that has been absolutely dominating the debates and the conversations after last night's presidential debates here in Miami, Florida. Now, one of the best ways to be a part of this conversation is to sign up to LukeUnfiltered.com. It's our own members area where, of course, when you sign up, you get access to, to a Telegram channel. I'm watching that Telegram channel, and then that Telegram channel is going to be where you guys will tell me you want to call in, and you will be able to call in live, unfiltered, unvetted questions here right in the moment when we do this broadcast and show uh, to you here. Another great way to participate is with mysuperchat.com. We, of course, are using this service as a way to allow you guys to super chat and to ask us questions. If you don't, don't want to become a member, if you don't want to call in, you could just go to mysuperchat.com. And of course, all of your support goes towards growing this independent media organizations as of course, we are not financed or sponsored by any huge multinational globalist evil corporation that is here to lie to you and run psyops and larger agendas that, of course, screw you over. Psyops and agendas that very interestingly Vivek Ramaswamy kind of called out in yesterday's debate. So we're going to be getting into all of that plus a lot more for the next two hours. Joining me for this ride is, of course, the one and only Clint Russell of the Liberty Lockdown podcast, a man who is actually consistent and uh, not a 304. <laughs> <laughs> consistent, uh, so consistent that I don't think I voted for a GOP candidate uh, other than Ron Paul when he was running under that banner. And and Vivek Ramaswamy is getting me to be as close to voting for a GOP candidate as I have ever been in my life, aside from Ron Paul. He, his performance last night was incredible. I cannot wait to talk to him. I'm Clint Russell. I'm the host of Liberty Lockdown, also co-host of Tower Gang and uh, the co-host of this fine show right here. And I cannot wait for this conversation. Strap in. Stephanie's also here. Steph, who are you? Hello, everyone. My name is Stephanie. I am the official button pusher for We Are Change and our unofficial official podcast, Clint. When are we going to come up with a name for this beautiful podcast we've been hosting? 
it could, it could, be, the, it could be the No Name Podcast, yes. or we, we thought about some ideas. We, we were like, uncancelable. Uh, we were like, no, that's actually horrible. I can't even spell that myself. <laughs> I can't spell a lot. Uh, English is my second language <laughs> for, for, for full transparency's sake out there. But uh, this is a new adventure that we've been on within the last few weeks. We've been doing live, dedicated conversations with guests in studio that have been really fascinating. We had a lot of different people from so many different perspectives. We had debates on this show. We have officially now partnered with Rumble. We're going to be working exclusively with them for the foreseeable future and have at least three live video reports for you available in the moment once a week. So we got some really interesting people lined up. I got some very uh, interesting friends, to say the least. All of them will be making their appearances here on this particular show. So uh, expect a lot of craziness. So subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet. Click the notification button as, of course, there's going to be a lot to talk about in the very upcoming turbulent, tumultuous 2024 presidential elections that, of course, just got a little bit more interesting last night as now the corporate media is attacking Vivek Ramaswamy. And uh, I don't know about you, Clint, but I'm getting a lot of kind of very similar feels like I did during the Ron Paul 2008 presidential run where the media was playing a lot of unfair games. They were, of course, keeping away, keeping him away from the official polls and the official view counts. They were doing a lot of underhanded things and just blatantly attacking him. Just kind of very similarly like they're attacking uh, Vivek Ramaswamy right now. Well, I think it's going to get a lot worse, actually, because it, it seems to me that Vivek realized after kind of playing friendly over the past few months, he realized that he was being kind of abused and taken out of context. And and I think he, he really just embraced the Donald Trump uh, perspective on the media and his direct attack on the media mid-debate last night was one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. It was the open where he's just like, he puts, uh, I forget the name of the commentator for NBC News, but he puts her on the spot for pushing the Russia collusion lie, and he actually challenges her to answer the question. Because of that, I think that's the primary reason that this morning he is being listed as, you know, a loser and and trailing, you know, v uh, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, where uh, in real time on the internet, as well as what you were actually there. So I'd love to hear your feedback on this. It seemed as if he was kicking ass, but you tell me. Yeah, it was Lester Holt that he called out, who is a, a horrible fake news spreader that is absolutely doing no favor to the American people and just essentially regurgitates in a very dignified, in a very suit, in a very official narrative, all the bull crap to lie to you. And when you look at what Vivek called him out on, it's it's just one aspect of, of many other aspects that Lester Holtz usually lies to the American people to. He specifically mentioned Russian collusion. He especially mentioned meddling in the election, specifically mentioning the Hunter Biden story that was censored before the last presidential election that, according to many studies, did have an effect on it, did solidify the Biden presidency and allowed him to become the next president of the United States. And he also warned they're going to do this again unless they're called out. And he was one of the few people, one of the one of the refreshing kind of voices out there that actually didn't play as, as kind of a puppet. All these kind of establishment candidates, they were kind of saying the same things, but just just a little bit differently. It was it was interesting to see Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley finish each other's neoconservative statements and <laughs> bloodlust comments. Um, and, and then when you look at everyone there, 
Everyone kind of had their their little purpose there to you know read the official lines, to obey the official status quo of what they're allowed to think, of what they're allowed to say. And uh, Vivek kind of came in there and was like, no, I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. And he did a great job at that. And I, and I think that's why he's under attack. I, I totally agree. And I, I think that the the main problem with uh, you know a Vivek or a Trump candidacy is that when they're up there giving a genuine alternative, it really makes explicit to the audience, which is the voter, that, oh, there is an alternative. Like, I don't have to just vote for war with Russia or war with Iran. You know, like, there's actually an alternative here. And I think they don't want you to feel that way. As long as they keep you in that binary trap of, well, we're obviously going to have a war, so we just have to pick a candidate that goes after the country that I find the least appealing. No, no, no. You can actually have a candidate who says, we're not going to go to war. We're actually going to try and avoid war. Now, I wish Vivek was a little bit stronger on that, uh, but I understand with that audience the reason he's framing things that way, and I'll look forward to asking him further questions. We, about we that. have some uh, super chats here that I think are worth uh, talking about and noting here, as of course we have a very funny one uh, on YouTube. And again, whether it's Rumble Rants, whether it's Streamlabs, whether it's uh, uh, YouTube chats, we're going to read every kind of comment that you guys give us, especially if you guys put uh, you know a, a, a support to this independent media organization behind it. But Neurodivergent had a very interesting comment saying specifically, uh, three inches is enough for any woman. Quote, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> As of course, there's a lot of comments specifically with Vivek mentioning that he is uh, essentially not for uh, Dick Cheney in heels. And then a lot of people were wondering if he's specifically talking about uh, Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley answered back in a very kind of weird, um, bizarre, spastic <laughs> statement saying that her heels are made of ammunition. What? How did, that that doesn't make sense. I made a comment about it and uh, <laughs> ratioed her just a little bit. Comments, it's too spicy to say here. We got another super chat by Tar Sick saying, Vivek nailed it last night, calling out the GOP leadership. Absolutely. I saw uh, the head of the RNC at this debate, and uh, you know she kind of like waddled in her seat, was sitting in there, but you could just see during the breaks, she was not happy. She was flustered. She was not uh, in her best mood after Vivek <laughs> called her out, as as a lot of people critique this RNC head for, of course, lavish spending on a, a lot of you know fancy dinners, on a lot of extravagant causes, while of course denying funds to key races, which the Republicans keep losing. As a lot of people have even gone as far as to say that there's a deliberate sabotage of the Republicans happening right now to the point where, of course, they are meant to lose, they're supposed to lose. And uh, I, I think uh, Vivek and Donald Trump are definitely shaking up this kind of scenario that's unfolding right now, and uh, the establishment isn't happy about it. Frank Luntz was there too. I saw him uh, in his seed oil belly self there and uh, he tweeted out specifically how you know this is a rising star in the Republican Party this is the same person that of course shares a bedroom with Kevin McCarthy and uh, has been known for uh, not being the most uh, honest uh, people uh, but he was you know also kind of uh, uh, wobbling around <laughs> the debate stage one, one of the things that I that I thought was very interesting 
during the conversations that were happening on stage of the debate was uh, the fact that, you know, at one point I, I, I noticed Nikki Haley going after Vivek and then Vivek trying to respond, but couldn't because his mic was off. And I was like, they don't. They, but but I, I only saw that once and I haven't seen that done to anyone else. And uh, overall, I, I, I think the battle of ideas was fought yesterday and the larger ideas of critical thinking, of, of, of spreading the truth, of giving a damn about this country was kind of broken wide open with the establishment now kind of freaking out a little bit, being like, hey, uh, you're not supposed to say these things to the American public. Yeah. And uh, all those videos were being shared around on social media, and, and rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, they spent the first hour just talking about foreign policy. It's like it's like there's, there's really a... a I think there's a tremendous amount of demand from the American populace for politicians that are actually focused on domestic issues and bringing our troops home. Stop sending foreign aid. We're we're drowning under inflation. Our budgets are blown up, both federally as well as personally. Credit card debt is is reaching all time highs. Uh, mortgage interest rates are skyrocketing. The cost of living is out of control. We cannot continue to police the world. We need to focus on domestic issues. And the the GOP once again spends the first hour just talking about Israel, Palestine, or China or Russia. Um, it's very disappointing. But Vivek is that that breath of fresh air that I think so many people are looking for. And just to clarify one thing. When he said that three-inch uh, Dick Cheney and three-inch heels comment, he said, you have two options on this stage tonight. Clearly a shot at DeSantis. Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. And uh, it, it was very telling. It was very interesting to, to see the, the kind of response because they had certain individuals with certain campaigns sitting in one particular area. And they even announced during these uh, presidential debates that if someone interrupts from one particular area, they know who the candidate they're representing is and they will be taking away time from that candidate if the people in their sitting section actually disrupt. So wow. you actually saw wow. different rooms kind of erupt during the presidential debates. Uh, I was sitting next to the Vivek crowd and the Ron DeSantis crowd. Rumble was able to give us front front row seats pretty much there. Shouts out to Rumble for inviting us. We did a live stream <laughs> there. Okay. <laughs> Steph, we're going to go to you in a second. <laughs> they did a live stream there. Uh, we did a live stream there on rumble.com forward slash we are change on the ground there showing you the situation and all the people that were attending. They also had no bathroom breaks. They said, you, you come out and you want to use the bathroom. You're not going to be allowed in, which wow. I found absolutely ridiculous and childish. And I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. But they were very clear, like, hey. I don't want any cheering. I don't want any booing. You guys do that. Your your candidate will get in trouble. Uh, Steph, I, I think you watched the debates, too. What did you think about it from a, an outside kind of perspective? Oh, I thought it was really interesting. Honestly, I feel like almost everyone did pretty well in terms of like speaking. And it was nice to be able to listen to everyone. And also quite um, interesting when Vivek was talking about bringing Joe Rogan and Elon Musk on and Tucker Carlson as the hosts, I was wondering, is that even like, could that actually be done? That's actually a video that I did today for this YouTube channel that was just released on youtube.com forward slash we are changed. I did a full independent report saying, yeah, probably if you look at Joe Rogan's contract being up, which it is very soon, if you look at his friendship with Elon Musk, if you look at all of these guys kind of hanging out with, with like Tucker Carlson, why wouldn't 
they kind of come together and say, hey, our country is in peril. Our, our country is in danger. There's, there's a lot of really significant bad things coming in, in front of us. Maybe we could stop some of this by having a real and honest conversation. I, I would love to see Jamie fact-checking all the presidential candidates as, as they're speaking. I would love to, to, to have, you know, uh, uh, probably some kind of uh, funny cigarettes offered to the candidates by Joe Rogan. I would love <laughs> to have Tucker Carlson bewildered look during, uh, during these debates. I would love to have Elon Musk hyper-focusing on some kind of high-level, high-IQ autistic question that no one saw coming. I would love to see all of that and i think the general public would would too and vivek just bringing that up to the general public makes it a possibility to actually happen well, so and, and keep in mind too it was tucker carlson i forget what event it was at but it was tucker carlson who basically ended mike pence's career political career and aspirations when he asked him uh, about domestic policies and, and mike stupidly was like that's not my concern it's like well that better be your concern president of the united states uh hopeful so yeah i i, I would love it i mean this is the the entire critique against ronna mcdaniel is that she's not focusing on the the youth movements in this country that like it's just it's just stale they don't i think the real problem is that the reason that they don't they don't offer offer financial resources to some of these candidates that have an opportunity is because they're genuine american for first candidates and that's not what the old guard gop wants i think if you actually just give the american people what they want which is politicians focus on genuine not just america first but america only is really what i want to see I think that then they would win. Yeah, the, fir the first kind of portion of that debate was, how much more can we do for Israel? What mm -hmm. else can we do for Israel? And, and all the candidates kind of repeated the, the same kind of talking points and the same kind of lines, not deviating from the larger point, other than, than Vivek, who said, you know, you know, maybe Israel could defend itself. You know, Maybe we're doing Israel a disservice by making them dependent on us. Maybe we're doing them a, a disservice by bringing other countries into the mix here, saying, hey, this is an unfair situation. Hey, I have beef with America, and now, therefore, I have beef with Israel. Maybe we shouldn't create a situation like happened in the early 1900s where alliances and countries came together and then bada bing bada boom you got yourself a global war because of this kind of general thinking that i i i think is absolutely detrimental to the american country to the american people to the interest of this country because if you truly did care about america you would be caring about what's happening here right now with the open borders, with the opioid epidemic, with all the injuries that are happening because of big pharma, with all the cancer rates and depopulation efforts that have been successfully utilized in a way where the, the, the American public, the American population, we're losing citizenry in massive numbers to the point where Elon Musk talks about this a lot. And I have been talking about this for many years now. There's going to be a crisis with the populations because people are not reproducing enough. People always in the, in the corporate media want, 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 want you to believe that there's, there's just too many people in this world. You got to stop having children for climate change. Bull crap. That is absolutely not true, as they're literally importing the third world into this country and in incentivizing and pushing programs that stop people from actually having children and families in this country. But I, I think it's fair to say the main talking point from the establishment is war, 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 war. We want more of it. We want you guys tearing each other's to, to shred. We want you guys fighting each other. As, of course, just even recently in California, there was major clashes between Israeli and Palestinian protesters where people were fighting each other, beating each other up. This is what they want. This is what they're getting, as, of course, the, the situation with the United States inside of the Middle East is, is a very dangerous one. As, of course, now Fox News today is reporting that there are now 42 attacks that have happened 
on U.S. forces in the wake of this larger conflict that, of course, is unfolding right now in the Middle East. 42 separate attacks, one of which the United States answered back once again with a second round of airstrikes in Syria. Yes, it's not Groundhog's Day anymore. The United States is once again bombing Syria the second time in the last few days, which, again, very dangerous gambit. Who are we bombing? Well, we're actually bombing the, the, the radical Islamists that were supported by Saudi Arabia, Israel, the United States a few years ago that were there to go after Bashar al-Assad. Those guys that, that, that were defeated by the, the Shiites here, that we're fighting now those guys. So again, uh, just a, a very confusing geopolitical situation unfolding here that definitely deserves some context because everyone's saying, just finish the job. Just, 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 just do what you got to do. And in, in reality... If you look at the, uh, America's overreaction, especially in 2001, I believe it was deliberate. I believe it, it was a trajectory that they knew that they were going on, but it was devastating, not just for the people of the Middle East, but the people of the United States that, of course, were robbed, were bamboozled and screwed over like no today uh, because of this insane policy that, of course, um, people now are saying we should do all again. I think that's a dumb idea. I don't know about you. I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, this is all I'm imploring is just people to really reconsider uh, or just just remember the lessons of the war on terror. Just extrapolate a little bit forward and apply them once again to the October 7th attacks against Israel. And I think, you know, Republicans are well known for being in opposition to welfare. There's really only one exception, and that's welfare to the nation of Israel, which, by the way, as Vivek has pointed out many times, has a smaller debt to GDP ratio than America. They're actually doing better than us financially, and we send them $3 billion a year. We sent them $14 billion last week. God knows how much we'll send them over the next year in their war against Hamas. It's insane. Yeah, I just got a text from uh, the, the Vivek campaign. They're running 10 minutes behind, so just a heads up, so they probably will be here around 3.40 p.m. Eastern time, as we, of course, have other Super Chats that we are going to be reading here, as, of course, we got one from Le Revolution. Kultura Ayan Razi. That's a very confusing um, YouTube name. But you said, quote, Luke, you have to introduce him as Vivek the Destroyer. And uh, I don't know, that might be uh, that might be a little bit uh, too much. Is that too much, Clint? What do you think? I, I don't think so. I think he destroyed both DeSantis and uh, and Nikki Haley's careers last night, honestly. And and I, I don't know what it is about DeSantis. He can't help but have at least one moment per per debate where he makes this grimace and he looks like an android that's malfunctioning. It breaks my heart. I moved here for the guy, but what's happening? What's happening with him? I don't understand. Autism. Absolute, 100% <laughs> autism. And you can just see it in his kind of mannerisms. You could see it in the way he kind of walks. Hey, if he if he just admitted it and was like, hey, guys, I'm autistic, he would get a lot of support. I'm just saying. Steph, do you want to read the next uh, super chat here by Hawk the Maker? Hawk the Maker. Luke, your shirt says it all. The You Are Here podcast. You Are Here podcast. Do you oh, like the name of, of that podcast? Because um, like the shirt that I'm wearing right now that you could get on thebestpoliticalshirts.com highlights 1984, Brave New World, and Fahrenheit 451. Great books. If you haven't read those books, I, I can't yeah, recommend them enough. Uh, and and, and they, were, they were critically important to, to, for, for me to be who I am right now. Same. Um, for some strange reason, they actually recommended them in uh, New York City Public School, and I actually read these books. 
uh, back to front multiple times, and they and they had a they had a big impact on me. Now schools are saying these these books are too controversial; you shouldn't read them. But the shirt that I'm wearing highlights specifically these three books, and in the middle, a Venn diagram that Kamala Harris really loves, saying, "Quote: You are here." And uh, when we look at our, our kind of uh, our kind of modern dystopian society. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And I kind of like the name. You are here. You are it's, here podcast. It's not bad. Uh, I mean, we'll add it to the list. Of Which one do you like? You like a specific one. I still, I still think uncanceled is like the coolest one. Cause it's, we're going to bring in people that blacklist. But let me just say, let me add one book to that, to that list. The moon is a harsh mistress by Robert Heinlein. One of my favorites, uh, definitely deserves to be on that t-shirt. I have another one with uh, about uh, 20 uh, books and movies. Oh, okay. So uh, a, a very uh, very difficult t-shirt to, to read, <laughs> but uh, an important t-shirt to, of course, represent and to talk to people. We got another super chat by Collis Bryant, who says, Only other thing I would have liked from Vivek when addressing the border... Hold on one. Get out of there. Hold on. The border drug question is if you have if he have turned it back to the panel and mainstream media about not holding the current administration accountable rather than run interference. That's a very good question. We got another super chat here by Schooner Born 18 saying hi, dad. Well, hi, dad. Um, and, and thanks for you know watching and participating in here as, of course, we are just waiting for the next few moments and minutes until we get Vivek in here. And then uh, we have a lot of very, very interesting questions that we are going to be asking him specifically when it comes to a lot of controversial things, a lot of conspiracy things as... Uh, uh, I think I think these conversations are very important, especially after all the news headlines that we have right now. We're we're we're, we're doing pretty good. When when Larry Sinclair uh, had his bombshell interview with Tucker Carlson, we had him on the show right afterwards. I think we're having Vivek here at the perfect time to ask him a lot of the bigger deep dive down the rabbit hole questions that I don't think anyone else is going to be ever asking him. No. So it's going to be a, a fun show to say that. Yeah, they, they won't they won't touch the topics that we're going to touch on the Rumble side of this debate. That's for sure. On YouTube, you know, we'll still, you know, we'll, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, you know, that should be that should be the whole like we should just do a YouTube uh, one hour show where it's like <laughs> show news articles be like <laughs> just just you know <laughs> boilerplate talking talking point mainstream media reports this this <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh more more Americans are you know uh, you know. Uh, dying de from de deployed, fentanyl. deployed to the Middle East. Yes, hmm. no. Oh, another, another war. Oh. <laughs> hmm. no. So yeah, that's that's modern life here. Um, but uh, again, the news stories here, especially from the Middle East, are concerning. And uh, Vivek, again, one of the few people actually daring to speak out against this lunacy, against this madness. What's, and uh, what's the argument? Uh, is it Syrian proxies? Is it Ira Iranian proxies in Syria? Is that that they're launching. ABC News has that has the headline that Iranian-backed militants launched at least forty attacks on U.S. forces since October 27th. Now it's still 
unclear because a lot of this official reporting is done through, of course, anonymous government sources. Yeah, so and who knows? there's a lot of false flags. There's a lot of drills. There's a lot of things that, of course, are usually um, not what they say they are, especially when you look at incidences like the Gulf of Tonkin incident, especially when you look at uh, incidences like uh, the U.S. Lusitania, especially when you look at, you know, historical events that definitely do deserve to be questioned in our modern discourse. But let's uh, let's read this article here. And it says that the U.S. military on Wednesday said American warplanes struck a weapons storage facility in eastern Syria that officials said was being used by Iranian backed militants responsible for dozens of drone and rocket attacks against American troops in the region over the last three weeks. Now, it's also important to note here that ABC News probably will not be telling you is that the United States literally has a military base in Syria when the Syrian government's like, hey, can you please not? As the United States is there siphoning oil from that country, when that country is like, hey, we would like to keep our natural resources and oil, and the United States is like, no. Uh, best we could do is keep our troops here and make sure that we get all the national resources. Which, so, which, by the way, never declared a war against Syria. Never declared, and we just have bases there. Like, how how does this how is this permissible? And now we're doing quote unquote limited strikes. Well, in other in other words, that would be bombing a sovereign nation without a declaration of war. Once again, it's just it's amazing what they're able to get away with. There's just no there's no constitutional procedure for any of this. Yep, yep. Donald Trump even went as far as to to bomb Syria. Because of a chemical weapons attack that, of course, a lot of people heavily questioned. A lot of the experts actually provided some very interesting information about that highlighted what essentially was a larger emotional manipulation campaign that was used in order to try to justify some kind of larger action and and uh, another Libya type style counter offensive and insurgency that, as we have seen, literally brought back human trafficking and human slavery to the Libyan country that now is a failed state and dealing with incredible amounts of sectarian violence, just like, you know, Iraq, just like, you know, Afghanistan. It's almost as if there's there's this kind of protocol that the United States keeps doing and doing and doing, creating more and more chaos and uh, making sure that a lot of people lose their lives for uh, for what? what? Why are we doing this? This, this absolutely makes no sense well, at all. See, what, what it's infuriating to me and any of the non-interventionist libertarian camp that have been opposed to all of this madness for decades is that during the debate, you have, you have Nikki Haley, you've got uh, DeSantis, and you've got Chris Christie that are all up there giving the same tired-ass old talking points that, like, empirical evidence proves these people have been wrong about everything for decades. Vivek is up there giving the counter-argument, and he's being shamed by the media for it. It's like, based off of their own track record, how are these people not laughing stocks? Why are they still viable presidential candidates? Uh, in fairness, I don't think any of them actually are, but in terms of, like, they get campaign contributions from Boeing and Lockheed Martin. It's like, why? I think it's just about narrative control. I think they just want to have someone up there that is giving the pro-neocon you know, perspective so that those in the, in the old guard GOP, largely boomers, feel at home still. But fortunately, it's the, uh, the young people who are sick to death of this endless warfare. And, and, and more importantly, we got to understand this American policy creates more of an excuse later down the line, radicalizes more people later down the line that, of course, are, are going to be their next intended targets. We're financing both sides of the conflict. We're giving our tax dollars away into the Middle East, literally just dropping weaponry and latest, the most advanced military hardware there and saying, Whoopsie, now we have more conflicts to fight and more people to, to go after. And uh, people need to realize if we took a step back, if we, if we didn't 
do any of these kind of ridiculous policies that, that, that we have been doing since 2001, even before that, especially when it comes to the baby incubator story from yep. the Iraq war, which was another major psyops by, of course, uh, d- literal, literal diplomatic actors on the world stage that uh, ran another huge propaganda lie that the American people bought when uh, there was even a a lot of uh, backdoor dealing between Saddam and the original Bush, who, of course, was a prominent CIA secret society member that uh, lost his uh, presidential election to Bill Clinton, who also probably was another agent with Amina, Arkansas, working with the intelligence agencies, bringing in literal cocaine into the United States in very mysterious circumstances and ways right through the city and town that, of course, he was in charge. What a coinkydink that (laughs) that all these people are are kind of intertwined, doing really horrible things, and then being essentially compromised and then being put, put in high positions of power, while the main thing that kind of bides them is this... I would say sociopathic bloodlust to create whatever excuse, whatever conflict they can on the world stage in order just to to give everyone as much problems as they can. Right. And then you have Iran-Contra under Reagan. So basically, like, every presidency in my lifetime has had some sort of psyop war that has been avoidable but not avoided we got another super chat by missy mary saying how about the best political podcast i like that i kind of really like that uh, <laughs> name the best because we have the best political shirts.com the best political podcast.com sounds right. sounds pretty good i kind of like that as well scrape o goat said hey uncle luke hey there how's it going we got another super chat here by itchy itchago Steph, do you want to read this one? Itchy Itchy Go says, you have live chat on X now. Are you able to see them live from your view, Luke? No, I am not. But we are multi-streaming on on, uh, a lot of different platforms. And, of course, those platforms uh, all go away until we have the real conversation on Rumble.com. And... um, Yeah, shouts out to Rumble. You want to read the next one? We have Adam Schoit saying... Going for autistic vote, probably not the best DeSantis plan. Hey, hey, he doesn't have much now, okay? All right, if he has anything, if, he ha- if, if, if there's going to be a winning strategy, it's going to have to be him just being brutally honest, brutally just, just leaning in to all the things that people attacked him for. And what better kind of PR strategy than to say, hey... I got autism. <laughs> this is who I am, and uh, that would that, that that would make him endearing. Yeah, it would. I mean, it would make the grimaces make more sense. <laughs> but the problem is that he has also embraced, uh, you know, overt militarism, which I think is a dying breed in the GOP. Yes. Uh, you want to racist? Ronnie has another super super chat saying, "Luke, when will you have Elijah Safer on? He's hiding from the U.S. government in Australia." Uh, is he hiding? If he does, that that, that kind of sucks. Australia kind of sucks too. So um, uh, yeah, I, we usually have. I, I prefer to have guests in studio here, and I think that's how I want to have the conversations. The conversations are so different, um, especially when it comes to just just having them in real life, face to face. You could just feel the energy. You could feel the vibe. But they're so much better than they are online. So I don't know about you know zooming people in. We're going to be doing our best to, of course, make sure that that does not happen. Uh, Maya E asks another super chat here. Steph, do you want to read this one? Sure. Ask him if we can make a Spaces on X with Tucker, Elon, him, and Joe. Josie. Joe. Oh, Rogan? Yes. Yeah, that'd that'd be amazing. That's a very big ask here. The redheaded libertarian. 
also gave a super chat saying, you are here. Was Elijah Schaefer and Sydney Watson's podcast? Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they're saying we should take their name. Got it. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Or that we, it's we taken. We don't want to take their name. Uh, racist Ronnie says, why is everyone on our side abandoning a lot? A lot of Elijah Schaefer's uh, comments here. I don't think anyone's abandoning him. The dude is a fugitive in Australia. People barely talk about Oren Schroyer and et cetera. We talk about Oren Schroyer a lot, and uh, it looks like he has been put into solitary confinement, prolonged solitary confinement because of the health protocols, but now uh, because of some other kind of incident that happened. And truly, what's happening to Owen Schroyer is absolutely insane. It is criminal, and it highlights just how far gone this country is, where independent journalists who have an opinion are now being literally sent to jail. This is a chilling effect. This is why your support is more crucial than ever. This is why we have LukeUnfiltered.com. This is why we read the super chats here. This is why we try to have uh, these kind of larger conversations, because it's it's make it or break it here in America, as, of course, our rights are dwindling away. Uh, the technocrats, the, the large multinational corporations, the globalists, the banksters, all of them, they're just trying to see anything and everything that they, they, they could take away from us. And we are reaching a, a very big crescendo moment that uh, is, is really going to be a make or break moment for America, whether it goes down a path of personal responsibility, freedom and liberty or a, a path of just a puppet empire that is there to deliberately self-sabotage itself and take the ship down while the rats steal all the silver on it. I couldn't agree more. I think we are at a critical mass. It's going to go one, one direction or the other, and that is why you should go to Luke Uncensored. Unfiltered. Unfiltered.com. And we have uncensored.com. Okay, and yeah. become a supporter. <laughs> uh, Luke Unfiltered.com and support our work. We need bail funds because the truth that we're telling we're going to end up getting <laughs> yeah, prosecuted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, need, we need lawyer funds. We're not dealing with any judicial stuff uh, that we know of as of yet. But uh, with the way things are going and legal lawfare, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's inevitable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think all independent media now needs uh, a law fund just yeah, in case. For real. I, I was hanging out with uh, Viva Frey and uh, Barnes uh, recently at, at uh, Mar Largo, and I'm like, listen, I got to become friends with you guys. They're like, why? I need a lawyer. Do you, see, do you see what's happening? <laughs> you guys are lawyers. I need. I, I, like, we're best buddies now, pal. Like, I, I, I need your guys' help and assistance here. So uh, Viva's brilliant. I bet he's a great lawyer. Yeah, yeah, no, Viva, Viva's awesome, and uh, Barnes is also an incredible uh, human being as well. He does really, really important work. Awesome. Uh, so, um, shouts out to uh, Viva Frey and Barnes and their show. I, I, I like watching their show. They're also, of course, on Rumble as well. But uh, I made sure, like, hey, we're going to make sure uh, we're going to be buddies here. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty important. Just got another text here. ETA, 3.53 p.m. Eastern Times. I'm calling them lazy liberals because <laughs> um, they're late, like everyone here in Miami is. I was on time, just for the record. You're okay. always on time, Clint. Thank you, Steph. Thank you. Uh, yeah, anybody has any questions for Vivek, uh, we'll try and get to some of the, the super chats, so go ahead and get those in, too. Matthew Hammond has another super chat here saying, can you talk to Vivek about his support of the TPP? He said that is what is different for him from Trump. 
Um, and I think I saw some of his comments, uh, particularly about that, specifically going after the free market capitalistic aspects of it. But I, I think I think maybe he might not be aware of how a lot of other globalists are using this as a way to, of course, be very predatory against the blue collar working class and essentially create major disadvantages against the American people, which essentially these larger trade deals are all in the disguise of free market capitalism, when in reality, there's a lot of government collusion there, a lot of backhand deals and regulations and rules that screws a lot of people over and, and never truly live up to these larger, uh, you know, um, ideas of a free market capitalism, which clearly we do not have in our modern day society. Yeah, nowhere close. Uh Trans-Pacific Partnership. I haven't dug deep enough into it to, to know if it's a fair trade deal, to be honest. But if if it comes up, it comes up. Lissima Lestat says NNN is globalist conspiracy to slow reproduction. I don't know what NNN is, Shima. But uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say that there is a big slow of, of reproduction, of childbirth, and of Western nations that are just absolutely being uh, obliterated. Rosak, uh, Steph, do you want to read this one? Ruzak says, I'd be curious to hear Vivek's position on BRICS and the threat to the petrodollar. Yep, that's a good question as well. And then do you want to read the next one? I am what I am. Have you heard about the FBI harassing the journalists from the public? Also, can't wait to get your supplements in the mail. Thank you so much, I am what I am. Thank you for that super chat. Um, yeah, I, I, I've heard a, a couple stories now of FBI agents showing up at the doors. I, I, I saw one story that I uh, retweeted on my Twitter account, but I haven't been able to kind of delve into it. Because, of course, this is now the standard procedure of the Federal Bureau of Investigations that predominantly goes after activists, goes after journalists, goes after parents who show up at parent-teacher conferences. So um, yeah, well, this, what is, journalists? This, is, this is why we, we need uh, the journalist from uh, Publica. Oh, ProPublica? Yes. Okay. I, I don't know. Do you know what story they were covering? I that? have no okay. idea. I'll have to look into that. with you. And uh, we got another super chat from Thing Book saying thanks, Vivek, for blasting Nikki and the media. Vivek's not here. We got a few more minutes. I think we got like 10 more minutes. Hey, before before he gets, gets here, here, I wanted to ask you, um, was, it, was it evident? Because at home, it was crystal clear that he had dominated that debate. Live, different feeling? No, no, no. It, it was pretty clear that uh, as, as soon as he started speaking... Everyone was kind of like, <gasps> yeah. yeah. <laughs> his his opening comments definitely took the the air out of the auditorium that we were all in, and uh, everyone was kind of woken up from their stupor after being scolded by these authoritarians on NBC News about not cheering, not clapping, not making any kind of noise, and not being able to have bathroom breaks. So <laughs> uh, he he really woke a lot of people up. Who I mean, he got my attention. I was like, whoa, you. You, you knew that this was a, a major moment. You knew that this was a, a moment that, of course, was going to be shared, was going to be very impactful. And Lester Holt kind of sat there like, oh, crap. <laughs> he, he, he got in that, you know what? And uh, there's, there's no going back from uh, me getting my, my uh, gluteus maximus handed to me on national television on my own show where I just got called out for essentially being a bigger agent for the state. Steph, do you have something to say? Um, 
I mean, I did, but it kind of just flew when you were talking about your glutamus maximus. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, no, yes, so that, that, that image is very right in my uh, in my mind right now. Oh, oh, <laughs> uh, we got we got. Uh, you sent an article here specifically talking about the latest drama with Rana McDaniel, the head of the RNC, that uh, allegedly was also uh, overheard trashing Vivek and saying that he quote won't get a cent from us and. Uh, that kind of makes sense with what the RNC has been doing already, as uh, a lot of people say that they are absolutely not spending their funds in an appropriate, wise way and getting a lot, a lot of uh, criticism. I just wanted to point out, too, that this isn't just uh, an RNC thing. This is also a DNC thing that they like Bernie Sanders had a much better chance of winning that election than Hillary did. But they gifted it to Hillary because they want someone who protects their interests. They're not interested in democracy. They're interested in force feeding you a, a particular, you know, entree. And it's like, I don't want any of these entrees that you're offering. You know, I'd rather go go through the drive through and pick me up some Bernie Sanders or some Vivek. But I'm not allowed to. Uh, so I think this is why so many people are questioning, you know, the democratic process at this point is that it's obviously being forced upon us. And it's not it's not actually us making these decisions at all. Yeah. The New York Post definitely does, does, isn't doing uh, anyone a favor with their article that's titled Republican Debate Verdict. Impressive Haley shines. Stupid Vivek self-destructs. What? It's what kind ridiculous. of world? What kind of reality is the New York Post living in? I want to see some of the comments here. And then, of <laughs> course, the first one is Ashley St. Clair saying, uh, said literally no one. I definitely have to like that one. We got another one by Most Peaceful Memes. He does really incredible work saying, how much How much did the Haley campaign pay for this post? For <laughs> another great comment here. And uh, my verdict, the New York Post didn't watch the debate. And yeah. Uh, they're getting roasted in the comment section as a course. I, I think this is this is an important moment for a lot of people to to understand the the power of the establishment is being challenged very significantly. And when they are, they're 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 overreacting in, in such a very lame, pathetic way. There's there's no merit in in this kind of understanding unless you're living under a rock, unless you're 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 deliberately just trying to get away, trying to pull one over on the American people who you think are really that dumb that 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 will just believe you if they didn't watch the debates. Because if you watch the debates, there was a clear victor, and there's multiple polls here. A lot of people ran their own polls on uh, Twitter. That, that Vivek absolutely dominated this deba debate and won. So uh, more just nonsense from the corporate media, which we could expect a lot more from. Yeah, and I'm I'm. This is probably the thing that makes me most optimistic is that these like these kind of quasi outsider candidates continue to present terrible problems for the democratic process, which is you know that's what that's how democracy ought to work is that these outsiders ought to actually have a chance of winning if they have a message that's compelling enough that they get enough support to actually win the election. But as we've seen with Ron Paul and, and the abuse of him during his campaigns, both in 08 and 12, uh, and then Bernie Sanders, which I was not a fan of, but still he was absolutely screwed over, and then Trump, and now Vivek. Uh, anybody that is actually presenting more of a, a variety of opinions, more of an uh, America First oriented outlook, that is that is shunned by the powers that be. And I think that's really disturbing that, you know, America first is so unappealing to the powers that be in this country. And I, I think that is pretty good evidence that we're not being controlled by the people that, you know, sit in D.C. We got some uh, rumble rants here from Drake Moore saying, ask Vivek what methods he could use to restore the balance of power. 
and his thoughts on a convention of states. Oh, of course, we got the convention of states question. We, we, got, we get a lot of those. Always. Florida Bob has another very interesting super chat that I think is absolutely worth asking, saying, ask Vivek about his wife, Aprova. Uh, Steph, keep it on the it's Rumble not chat. Showing it. I know, but I'm still I'm still reading it here. Uh, ask Vivek about his wife, Aprova Tava Raswami, MD, working at the Ohio State University, Les Wexner's Medical Center, running for POTUS with ties to Wexner. Quote Epstein, watch his response. That's a very interesting question, as of course that's probably one of the issues that we will be getting into. Um, on Rumble, on Rumble. <laughs> not, 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 on, not on the digital gulag that, of course, is known as uh, YouTube, where the conversations are, of course, stinted. But, but, but again, we kind of explained this theory to the general public. We explained it to everyone that follows us and watches us that this is kind of a strategic way also. It does suck that you do have to kind of censor yourself on YouTube, but, but in doing so, we do kind of water down the message. We do kind of... Give a message that's more accepting to the normies out there, to the Kyles, to the Karens out there who uh, have been watching the corporate media, have been reading the New York Post, who are, who are not aware that there's a huge agenda. If you're not aware that there's a huge agenda, by the way, that's, that's against you, your country, your people, your neighborhood, your communities, you're not paying attention. Some people, let's just be honest here, they got their head in the sand, they're watching sports ball, they're not paying attention. They're, they're preoccupied with just trying to survive in this horrible economy. And they don't understand the greater lengths that that sinister people go towards taking advantage of your ignorance and therefore watering down the message so that it could be more suitable for the Kyles and Karens here on YouTube to, 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 to take down is, I think, a, a strategic way to kind of operate. Then we go to Rumble. When we go to Rumble, all gloves are off and we do not hold anything back. You could see some of the rumble shows that we did that I'm kind of shooting midstream being like, holy cow, we're getting close to the power lines here. <laughs> like, holy cow, like, like we have gone off. I go off on tangents. Nothing scripted here. There's nothing that I read off of to, to talk to you and have this honest, real conversation. There's a power to being in this kind of flow state, to being in this kind of moment, not having any scripts, not having any kind of rules, not having any kind of things that I have to... Of, of course, censor other than being on YouTube. But when I'm rumble, that stream of consciousness flows through me and we go off. Yep. And uh, hide your wives, hide your kids. We're headed to rumble. Nah, well, we've got <laughs> to get, yet, we got to get Vivek in here. As soon as we get Vivek in here, we got two kind of softball questions. Then we're going deep down um, the, the rabbit hole here. As the rumble course. hole, <laughs> the rumble <laughs> hole. Free speech matters. We should we should coin that the rumble hole. I like it. Okay. Yeah, I like that too. I, okay, uh, so. show the rumble hole. Well, uh, yeah, that sounds classy. Well, welcome to the rumble hole, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're it's creative. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, I got another uh, super chat here by I'm not your buddy guy saying question for Vivek. Unless already asked, does he plan to do anything about the lies and manipulation from the mainstream media and social media? Well, as a government official, it's going to be very hard to try to do any of that. As, of course, the government, I don't think, should be policing speech, yep. even if that speech might be wrong or incorrect. I don't think the government should ever be a larger decider of truth. So my own personal take on that is I hope he he uh, reigns in the, the social media hijacked intelligence agency operatives that are using Bingo. it to lie to people. If, if he does that, 
we're good as long as we have actual free speech in this country that should be respected according to the First Amendment, according to the laws that are already on the books here. And again, people ask, you know, what do we do? What do we say? Use the laws that we have now, even though there's a lot of stupid laws now. I, I do have to agree with that kind of counter argument. But when, when it comes to just the, the basic stuff, when it comes to, you know, harassing people, threatening people, there, there's basic stuff that, that we could adhere to that, of course, would be reasonable. What's not reasonable is, is banning news stories like YouTube recently did that Steven Crowder broke that essentially is the story of the month, if not the year, that the majority of the people in the world won't be able to hear on Instagram, on Facebook, on Google, on YouTube. We can't even mention it here. And as soon as that story came out, I'm like, this story is spicy. Because this story is spicy, I'm not going to talk about it here. I'm going to talk about it on LukeUnfiltered.com, and that's exactly what we did here. So... Um, yeah. Every every time I'm preparing for a show, uh, I will just look at my list of topics that I'm considering covering, and I'll be like, "Can't do that on YouTube. Can't do that one on YouTube. Can't do that one on YouTube." Like, how how is that a world that we want to live in? Like, where I can't even discuss a topic because, like, not not even like what I will say about it, but just the topic itself will probably get me kicked off the platform. It's terrible. It's just it's just stifling. It's awful. Want to read some of these super chats? Clint, uh, feel free to get out your your phone. Sure. Oh, the redhead libertarian uh, wrote uh, a super chat saying N N N is uh, no nut November, fellas. Oh, uh, be careful with that one. A lot of people could get prostate cancer uh, from that. <laughs> so uh, you know, you got to do your due diligence. You got to do what is right for you. And man, I could just imagine that some people saying it's 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 a psyop to slow reproduction. Could be actually because. Um, I've, I've talked to people who have tried it, and they talk about how essentially they become infertile the longer they go on without uh, finish. Without, family-friendly show here. You know what I mean. Without... <laughs> sound, sound effects might have to do here. Um, let's go read off some of the other super chats here. Steph, do you want to read the next one? Sure. Some dude... Some dude says Biden's DOL is pushing a new fiduciary rule. Can you ask Vivek about it? It's the government pretending individuals, preventing individuals from owning their 401ks from BlackRock. Thank you, some dude. You want to read the next one? Brett ain't dead. Brett ain't dead says discovered Luke through Timcast. Keep up the great work, my dyslexic speaking Polak friend. Independent media, decentralized revolution for the win. Yeah, this is your dyslectic <laughs> speaking Polish friend here uh, with you along for the ride for the fail and fall of Western civilization. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, Martha Budando says, can you tell Vivek to bring up the Federal Reserve printing money to fund all these wars in the next debate? Uh, great comment. Very interestingly, Ron DeSantis actually brought up the Federal Reserve and was, was one of the few people to actually criticize it yesterday, uh, which, uh, other than his neocon talking points, was uh, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you want to read, the, you wanna read the next one? Or, Clint, do you want to pick one? Just I, go, on the, go on the main chat. Go on YouTube.com forward slash We Are Change. And okay. then you could just click on one of the super chats and read them. All right. I'll work on uh, that. Steph, do you want to read the next G. one? G. Rivas. Can you ask about the side-by-side -side video with Vivek and Obama saying those same words in the 
in the same tone and speed. Have you seen it yourself? I have not, but that definitely seems like an interesting question. If uh, there's members of LukeUnfiltered.com on the Telegram channel, definitely send it to me, and then we could uh, we could definitely uh, blast that one. We got another super chat here by Mega YouTube 99 saying, "Can you expand on Tim's recent annou- announcement of we're gonna take?" over the machine will you guys host your own debate well if we were we wouldn't be telling you uh so whatever bigger plans are ahead it's it's usually best not to tell a lot of people about it because there's a lot of sabotage efforts that uh surprisingly happen for from individuals who who don't want you doing big things clint you got one uh did we already read ohio in here cecil seven two four seven no no that's where we're at Okay, uh, we've known about his opinion on Ohio issue. One, just passing. Ask him about his opinion on Ohio issue. Two, cannabis legalization passing. That was confusing. I'm sorry. Thank you for your $20. Tony (laughs) Mathis gave another super chat. Ask Vivek about the story that we cannot talk about on YouTube. Um, Yeah, maybe uh, on Rumble. I'm not your buddy guy. Gave another super chat saying, question for Vivek, unless already asked, does he plan to do anything about the lies and the manipulation from the social media? Okay, sorry. So now what you're hearing is Atlas, which means that there's somebody here at the door. Clint, take it away. And then yep. Stephanie, keep reading the super Dick chats Dickers- Clint. Dick Dickerson says... You can't say that on YouTube. Oh, I can't? Oh. Well, be nicer to Steph or I will build Seamus a potato gun. Uh, if you do that... You will have started the, the worst conflict that will go on for generations. Please, please don't do that. I'm not afraid of potatoes. Well, I am afraid of Seamus. He is the, the Irish famine man. The Vake. How you doing, guys? The Vake, the destroyer of uh, Neil Collins has arrived. Yeah, right over there. Atlas Couch, right here. It's good to see you. Thank you. Give me, give me a hug. How you doing, brother? Good to see you in person. Good to, good to meet you. How you doing? Hi. Hey, this is nice Stephanie. Stephanie. Good to see you. This is Vivek. And uh, yeah, we started the live show. Everyone's oh, waiting to, of course, ask you uh, so many different questions here. But first of all, great job on the presidential oh, uh, debate here. Stephanie, you got to do the button pushing. I you can't that, forget. Guys. Thank you. You uh, killed it. I'm, I'm I think. Kind of, what, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Fun. You could see that. You, you, you yeah. could see that in, in people who enjoy what they're doing. And it is contagious so keep doing what you're doing because i think when you went after the moderators rightfully so these people have lied so many times so many times they have just told us just these absolute non-truths so many times they have just absolutely been ridiculing the american people treating us as if we're kind of some kind of stupid idiots out Mm -hmm. there and then when you finally went to lester holt and said you lied to us that was powerful. And uh, I wanted to ask you, you probably had a lot of realizations that you didn't before trying to become the next president of the United States. What would you say were some of the biggest revelations that you had uh, when it comes to this entire experience that you had? I'd say I, it's a new revelation every day. Um, you come into this, I don't think, I wouldn't think of myself as naive on this. I mean, I understand how games are played you think i'm coming from the business world into politics understanding that it's going to be a corrupt process i think i underestimated the extent to which that was actually true Mm. and i think that every day you kind of get your eyes opened to some sort of new dimension of you know i came in thinking like all right we're going to 
the only system is going to be to break the system. You came in thinking maybe you could more cleverly play the game than the other people. No, they're they're definitely more practiced at the game of cleverness, mm. of how to one-up you. And so the only answer is to torch the system and to start from the burnt ashes on the ground. That's kind of been my, my guy. Let's my go. Net, <laughs> my net conclusion in this, and, and and that was my philosophy with respect to running the government. But I think it is every bit the same way in the political process as yeah. well. And I can go into details, but that's my 50,000-foot takeaway. Absolutely. I, I think that message resonates with a lot of people who just see the system as totally being unfair to it, totally not serving its interests, totally not serving its needs. And you being one of the few vessels out there who says, hey, hold on. This game's rigged over here. It these, really th- is. These though. people are kind of uh, puppeteers here for the special interest class. They're all kind of saying the same thing. The only person not saying the same thing is is, is you. Now, a, a lot of people wanted to specifically ask you about, you know, your, your path to victory. Will you become a vice president? Will you have a cabinet members? I, I don't want to ask you that, those questions. I want to ask you something more important. Because when we look at presidential campaigns, and you know, I'm, I'm friends with Ron Paul, if you see the impact that he had, especially with the Levolution, you see people still inspired to yes. that today from 2008. I met him for the first time. And, and, and I, I've, I've been talking about this for a while. You know, people are saying, oh, he can't win. It doesn't matter. I'm like, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. That's that's not even true because anything could happen in politics. Yeah. And and it, 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 just a couple months ago, everyone was telling us it's going to be a DeSantis Trump ticket. It's going to be a beautiful ticket. Look at the political landscape right now. That is absolutely not going to be happening here. But but the ideas that, that you spread here are contagious. When an idea's time has come, there's nothing that could stop it. You are, I, I believe, a vessel for some of those larger ideas. What are those ideas according to you, that you want to get out there to the general public with this uh, election. Yeah, and I, and I do want to be clear, Luke. I'm not in this just to get out ideas. I, I think that we wouldn't be... There's a lot of ways to do that. You guys are doing it, <laughs> you right. know, through the work you do here, writing books, otherwise. I do believe it takes a unique skill set right now to take change this country. And I think there's three different attributes that whoever the next president is going to need in order to actually be successful in reviving our constitutional republic with three branches of government, not for staying out of foreign wars and otherwise. One is I think it's going to take somebody from the outside who is not captured by special interests. And I think that every politician dances to the tune of their biggest donor. In my case, that biggest donor is and will remain me. Because we put in you know eight-figure sums, it would be tens of millions of dollars that will have gone into this campaign by the end of this year, Okay. Trump has that too. Fair enough. The second thing you're going to need is somebody, though, who is both who an outsider who has total disregard for the system, uncaptured by the system, but also an outsider who knows and understands the Constitution first personally. Like, not in a way that I'll look at my managerial class advisors and they'll say, oh, you can't fire people because of civil service protections. I think they did dupe Trump in this way. Hmm. I think they duped him. His intentions were... Spot on in the right place. They duped him. They said, oh, civil service protection say you can't fire people. Wrong. Read the law. It actually only applies to individual firings. They don't apply to mass layoffs. Mass layoffs are absolutely what I'm bringing to Washington, D.C. And I just want to pause there for a second because it's really important to understand. Just think of the people you've met in your life, right? Those two characteristics don't tend to go together. What does that mean, Right. On one hand, you have like an entrepreneur who's a glass breaker, who's a builder, generally people who may have been financially successful enough Mm. in order to be able to be independent of that system. 
but they're not going to be the nerdy legal academics that are diving into the depths of U.S. case law and why the administrative state is actually unconstitutional or whatever. Then you have the people who are going to be the law professor types or whatever who will be that, but don't have the capability as an executive or otherwise to see it through as a doer. That's what called me into this race, is I think that each of us has to look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are our unique attributes? We each have God-given gifts. The you know, question of life is how you make the best use of your God-given gifts. And, and when I look myself in the mirror and our family together, said that this is our chance to actually fill that unique role right now that the country needs, and all the better, I think, somebody from a different generation, from the next generation to reach young Americans in particular who I think are lost for purpose and meaning. And so give you that long wind-up to say that my purpose in this, and I respect immensely Ron Paul and what he's done over a lasting time frame of decades now, shifting the terms of debate in this country. It was an honor of mine to meet him. I did his podcast earlier, but we met in person a few weeks ago, and I felt like I was meeting a legend, <laughs> truly a hero. And that that's important. It's just that that's not what I am aiming to do here. I think that there is a vacuum at the top. It's going to take a special combination of skills that don't usually occur together to play that role and to play it well. And so that's why we're in this. That being said, what are the ideas that we're advancing in the meantime and that we intend to implement? One is that the people we elect to run the government should be the ones who actually run the government. Mm-hmm. It's not too much to ask. That's not a Republican idea or a Democratic idea. Just We the people, we may disagree like hell about a lot of different things as citizens in this diverse democratic republic. Fine. But whoever it is, at least the people who we elect better be the ones who are actually running it. Right. First proposition. Second proposition. Avoiding World War III is a vital national priority. It's, it's in every nation's self-interest, but I think it's in ours as well to avoid it. Number three, that war relatedly to that War should never be a preference, only a necessity. Four, that the moral obligation of U.S. policymakers is to U.S. citizens. I would punctuate that. The sole moral obligation of U.S. policymakers is to Americans here in our homeland. So, so far, we can just pause that. I don't think anything I've said there is, is, is all that controversial. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. It is, actually. Right. But it shouldn't be. But, but I mean, if you think about on that debate stage last night, I think I'm the only person who actually certainly believes in all of these things, but I would say maybe even believes strongly in each of these things, that the people we elect to run the government— not super PAC puppet masters in the back of Palace Halls, not ESG industrial complex kings in the black, back of BlackRock's corner office, not people sitting, bureaucrats sitting in the back of three-letter government agencies. The people we elect to run the government ought to be the ones who run the government. War is never a preference, only a necessity, and avoiding World War III is a vital national interest. That the sole obligation of a U.S. policymaker is to Americans here in our homeland. And then fourth, I'd add a couple more to this list. It is unsustainable for a nation to depend on its enemy for its modern way of life. That that just doesn't work over the long run because you then, the foundation of dependency is economics and, and that doesn't work over the long run. If somebody's hostile to the existence of your nation, but you depend on them for your modern way of life, you have to declare 
independence. I think that the value set of our founding fathers vis-a-vis Old World England was one example of this. You may detect what I'm referring to here, which is our economic dependence on modern China. And then I think the final idea is that notwithstanding our failures, we still have every reason to be genuinely proud to be citizens of this nation, the United States of America. And that young people still have a, a chance to live in a country whose best days are still ahead of itself. Very good comment. Those would be the core yeah. ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they, they sound like it definitely resonates with a lot of American people who are just sick and tired of being told that you should hate yourself, yeah. that you should not be happy and, and, and proud of your, your country, when in reality, that kind of larger victimization ideology perpetrates a society that, that can't go really far. Mm-hmm. And I, I specifically wanted to hone in on foreign policy because if you look at all the presidential candidates, we see Trump talking a good game when it comes to foreign policy. But at the same time, he also did bomb Syria himself, mm-hmm. which brings into question, how will your foreign policy be different than, let's just say, a Donald Trump? I think that's a curious question that I would like to know. Yes. Yeah, so, so people is policy in this realm more than most. OK. And so I want to I want to say something very clearly here at the outset, which is that it irritates the hell out of me when other candidates are now after sucking up and licking Trump's boots for years, which I did not do, by the way. But but the ones who did are the ones now Monday morning quarterbacking him on some odd thing that in retrospect, they could say they could do differently. So I'm not doing that. I actually happen to think he was an excellent president because he kept us out of wars and he grew the economy. Those are the two metrics for those are two of the metrics, certainly, for judging a successful presidency. There are others, but he did really well on that. So he's an excellent president. And I use the learnings of his administration, not to say that I'm some sort of omniscient God and I would have done it differently in 2016, but we're all human beings. I learned from his experience. And what are we going to do differently under my watch? That's the spirit in which I mean this, you know, because it irritates the heck out of me, the DeSantis and the Nikki Haley's of the world. I mean, literally sucking up to this guy from money to endorsements to otherwise now to sort of act like they're, you know, hoity-toity would have been sanctimonious. I mean, both of them should be, you know, <laughs> sanctimonious could be nicknamed for both of them. <laughs> all, all that being said, um, you know, and, and they both have similar fashion habits too. But that's, but put that to one side. Here's what I will say. Staffing decisions matter, especially when it comes to foreign policy. And so Trump had the right foreign policy vision. But John Bolton didn't. John Kelly didn't. Mike Pompeo didn't. Nikki Haley didn't. I mean, don't forget she was in his administration. I like Mike Pompeo as like a human being amongst the people. You can't say the same for you know some of the others there. But that will necessarily frustrate the translation of vision into action. Okay. So that I think is probably one of the most important learnings is that it's a tough balance between on one hand, and I think this is really important, to have people who will challenge me and push back. I don't like being surrounded by yes men. I'm not at my best if I'm not being challenged. But how do you find that balance between being challenged on the application of your vision, but still having people who are actually bought into your vision? So we rolled out this pledge actually in Miami the night before the debate and everybody here who's listening to this, like do one thing. It doesn't cost you a dime or anything else. Go to our no to neocons.com website. We put that up the night before the debate. Mm -hmm. No to neocons.com. We've laid out a pledge that every political appointee in my administration is going to be asked to sign. They include some of the principles that I laid out before. 
This shouldn't be controversial. This says three things on it. There's three things in the note of Neocon's pledge. And all I need people to do, go to that site and sign up. You don't have to give money. You don't have to do anything. Just sign up and send a message that we're part of a clear statement to and within the Republican Party that we're done with the Dick Cheneyism of the past. One is that World War III and avoiding it is a vital national interest, avoiding World War III. Two is war is never a preference, only a necessity. And three is the sole obligation of U.S. policymakers is to Americans here in the homeland, not to anybody else, period. So I think that that was missing in the staffing decisions that were made. And then I think we can get into the specifics, but actually, I think I just captured the most important point because his headspace, I think, is in the right place. But if the people implementing it translate it in a way that's off by half, even if it's off by a little bit on the basic vision, over a long enough distance, that's a big delta that creates a divergence. And so for me, everybody who's in the administration, certainly anyone who's a political appointee, and absolutely anybody who's touching a foreign policy role, will be steadfastly committed to those three principles. How we apply them, we'll have vigorous debate. But that's what I would do. And I think one of the areas, actually, now that you brought up Syria, where this came up, I'm just jogging my memory on the Trump administration here, is, as I recall this, people have to go back and look at the facts, but I think this is mostly correct, is Trump's initial instinct is he wanted to remove troops from Syria. But then suddenly, like, they kind of were, I mean, I think to the effect of, like, we're not going to let you do that. I think he was actually lied to by his own generals. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the same way the deep state duped them on you can't fire these people in the administrative state, which again is false if you have a deep understanding of the Constitution, but you know it's a, it's a tough position to be in if everybody around you is literally saying you can't do that. Right. Say, I want to get our troops out of Syria. They're just like, you can't do that. Not just that, but lying to him and saying, yeah, yeah, we'll move the troops out, and then but they not moving the troops out. Yeah. But then later on, Donald Trump was like, yeah, we'll just stay there and keep the oil, <laughs> which, yeah. which which at least is an honest discourse, which is so much better than all the other lies yeah. that we were told under the Obama administration. I mean, we still have sons and daughters in Iraq, exactly. actually. So all these places we told we were going to leave. So I think that's the most important difference is we, I'm not going to be a guy who has a website called no to neocons.com that appoints a bunch of neocons in the administration. Well, that would be, that'd be very lovely. I appreciate that. I, I do have one question for you because, um, you know, as a non-interventionist, as a free market capitalist, I, I understand, you know, division of labor has led to some competitive advantages for China. I'm no fan of China, let me be clear, but... Uh, yeah. You know, because of their lower labor costs, they have they have filled the void in our totally. in industrial gutting. Um, what? How can we actually approach China? Because the way you describe them as as having already been overtly our enemy, it makes me it makes me concerned that we will end up once again in the kind of a Thucydides yeah. trap where the rising falling empires and we end up in a hot war where I, we. Can I understand. Hopefully, and Taiwan's avoid. a new Sicily between Rome yeah, and Carthage or something like this, right? So, so that's not where I want to get either. One observation I want to make is you can't be willy-nilly calling like four different countries that are in vague alliances with one another, enemy, 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 like the Russia-China alliance. I think we're right. driving Russia further into China's hands. That's what increases the risk of world war. I'm taking mostly China at their word and at their actions that they're fundamentally that they view the U.S. as hostile to their interests and are responding accordingly. But put all that to one side. Your point about economics is a good one. It was the gains from trade that led us. It was Adam Smith principles that led us to say that there's two sides to this trade. That works if both sides are economically motivated actors, mm -hmm. right? I mean, China's run by a self-described Chinese Communist Party. 
And its goals are not solely economic, even as it engages in commerce. I think its goals include geopolitical goals that are commingled with its economic ones. So how do we keep the gains from trade mentality while solving for a TCP? I'm debating on whether I want to go into detail on this or not because it could be an hour discussion in itself. But let me just give an <laughs> sure. example that says to Airbnb – you must turn over U.S. user data as a condition for doing business in China, right. which isn't really capitalism because the use of that user data was a non-commercial lever that they want to hold. And there's now actually laws in China that ban some of those companies from even disclosing in the U.S. that they're doing it. Think mm. about that, mm -hmm. right? That reflects an intentionality that doesn't abide by what we thought of as the rules of the game. Now, in China, let's get the Chinese perspective on the table here just to understand it. It's sort of like, who said those are the rules of the game? Mm, <laughs> that's what right. you guys said was the rules right. of the game. We don't think that's the rules of the game. I can tell you a little funny story from um, you know, a, a lawyer who did a deal in, um, in China. This is, if you get, want to get back on track, we can get back on track. No, 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 you're fine. Go aside. on. Yeah. I haven't told this story during the presidential campaign. So some guy's a lawyer. He's doing a deal with like a Chinese company. And there's a general norm if you're writing up contracts, right, back and forth. Of every, if you use Microsoft Word, there's like the red line function. Right. Okay. So if you're a lawyer sending it to the other side, you do a red line of what was changed from the prior documents. You know, if we read a 100-page document, like magnifying lens, come back. And then the next version, they red line what was different from the version you sent them. It's just like the codified norm of how deals are done in the United States, in the modern West, and whatever. So they're doing this. But then what they find is at the end of the deal, when they signed it, there were a bunch of stuff that were in like the hundreds of pages that weren't redlined as changes, but they just made them as changes anyway. Yep. So he said, what the hell? You guys cheated on this agreement that we signed. Those are the rules. And like he said, this, the Chinese lawyer counterpart is how imperialist of you <laughs> to impose your norms on us. So what we call cheating, they view as internal to just the rules of the game. Uh, gamesmanship. So, so if you want to look at this from Mars, maybe you could say that, okay, there's two just two different vantage points, but I'm going to now reassume the American vantage point, and I'm running to be U.S. president, that's the one I wear, to say that they're not playing by the same set of rules. Now, they would say that that is the rules, but the, the law of the jungle is what governs, but we say they're not playing by the same set of rules that commerce, if you're engaging in mutual trade, you should have the same goals, which are economic in nature, not using that to covertly accomplish goals that have nothing to do with commerce. So against that backdrop, China's different than what we viewed as the neoliberal model of global trade that right. was supposed to lift all of us up from poverty. How do we fix it? One is I do think that this gets into a longer discussion, too, about the unintended consequences of the dollar being the reserve currency of the world, which I think is a good thing for the dollar to be. But that incrementally made U.S. exports more expensive Correct. than imports just because the dollars bid up a little bit higher. Right. So it's it not it that also American allowed us to, to live way above our means and, and export most of our inflation uh, abroad. So Yep, exactly. So, so, so we could debate the, 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 the pros, cons, merits around, but it's just a fact that that was the case. So U.S. manufacturers were systematically, manufacturers were systematically disadvantaged by the dollar being the reserve currency of the world. And so, anyway, that's a long way of saying I think some level of entree into the United States is not about a matter of economic inefficiency. It's just adjusting for what was a distortion created by the artificial bid higher on the dollar. Sure. And then the other thing I would say is we've been imperfect about trade relations with countries other than China. Yes. South Korea, Japan, India, Australia, or otherwise. And so I think that reopening some of those trade relationships 
to make up for supply chains that are otherwise dependent on China is a pro-trade approach to actually getting serious about reducing and eventually eliminating our economic dependence on China, which in turn may come back to complete the circle where that would be worse for China economically than it would be for us. Even if they have commingled objectives, they do care about economic objectives enough that they will come back and say, hey, if you're really, if they realize we're really serious about taking that approach, okay, we're going to play by the same set of right. rules that we actually signed then up to we'll in the first place. Then we'll approach you as equals on a business yeah, which I'm optimistic that that could happen. But if not, you have to be serious about saying that we're not going to depend on somebody who's hostile to the United States for a modern way of well, life. Would you support the TPP? Not as such. Got but it. I would support bilateral trade agreements with some of the nations that are party yeah. to, to that agreement. If it was actually a free market, is that correct? Yeah, of course, on, yeah. on, on fair terms. I mean, yeah. and know, Japan, people, Japan yeah, and South yeah. Korea, we can get into some detail issues. I mean, they, and, yeah. and India, for that matter, too, of course, will try to get the better of the United States by having state-owned enterprises on their side of the deal, but not ours. And so, you know, yes, we have to be, of course, do those deals in a way that's smart exclusively for the United States of America. But it is in service of reducing our dependence on China. Absolutely, which I think is important, especially with the deciduous trap that is unfolding. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about your foreign foreign policy, what started it all, especially in 2001, a lot of other controversies, a lot of other things that are kind of deeper down the rabbit hole, but we can't do that. In the bush. We can't do that here on YouTube, so we are now going to be leaving YouTube right Right. now. If you're watching on YouTube, go to Rumble. You guys do this? We, yeah. we, are you kidding me? Yes, yeah. So we are live multicasting we, we on multiple pl- Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, but, you, but yeah. because you're going to say certain things, you have to. You oh, have yeah. to exactly. I, I, we'll describe. We'll describe it to you. It is absolutely crazy. I think how, just how I have to I realized, be. Ex- I saw him clicking. I'm like, no. oh my goodness. I have to be extremely careful what I say here. I say the wrong thing. There's literally a blue armpit haired flip flop wearing So far already. No, you've been fine. You were great. You were great. But it's us that are the problem. Keep going. Either the issues that we're going to get into we can't get into on this platform on, on rumble we have double the viewership than we do right now on youtube so oh, wow. we're, rumble, we're crushing it on rumble so if you want to tra- go over if you're watching right now it's very easy just go to rumble.com i'll show you guys in the browser right now and then once you do you scroll down and we are right here and we have a huge amount of viewers this conversation that's going to get down the rabbit hole talking about some real issues We'll, of course, continue rumble.com forward slash we are changed. See you guys over there right now as I am officially ending the streams on Fedbook and YouTube. <laughs> nice. And now we have real free speech where we could finally relax and get uh, into all the things that we want well, to get into. But it is a crazy world that we're living in. We'll go in for like another 20 minutes or so before I got to rock and roll to the next sure, Exactly. Event. Yep. So, so let's just get through this as fast as we can. But it's absolutely horrifying what's happening with social media. Some questions that uh, our audience were asking was, was also, what would you do? Would you actually intervene in social media uh, and, and stop them from essentially rigging the game as they are right now? Or would you go after the central controllers within the intelligence agencies that are essentially pulling the strings of social yeah. media? So the latter. Um, I think that we can't be the alternative to China by being China. <laughs> you know, if Thank you know you. what I mean. That so, was that was the question I was going to follow up with. So I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can't, we can't, and, and, and this is one of the areas where I differ from on a different topic, but on the debate stage last night from Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Oh, we don't like that speech. Censor it. Right. That's the woke kind of speech. Censor that one. No. It's ridiculous. Not going to do that. You can't... You lose who you are if you adopt the methods of the other side. But this one's complicated as it relates to tech. So one government action that does need to be taken is roll back some of the special interventions that created the problem in the first place. 
So what does that mean? Right now, for example, Section 230C2, it gives companies special liability protection from state laws that say that you can't engage in political discrimination or viewpoint discrimination on the internet. There's a federal blanket of immunity that says you can't be sued under tort law at the state level. Like normally you could say, hey, I'm pissed. I want to recover my damages because I couldn't do that. That violates some state law. The federal blanket of immunity says if you're an internet company, you can do that. That was the product of lobbying. I would say turn Section 230C2 into an opt-in statute. If you want that special federal blanket of immunity, I mean, I would get rid of this nonsense altogether anyway, but as a practical next step, just turn it into an opt-in statute. If you want to opt-in and have that government protection, then you're bound by the same standards as the federal government, namely the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. If not, you're free to decide to do whatever you want, but somebody can sue you for a tort, and that's, that's just total free market playing as the free market, but you're free to censor whatever you do or don't want Perfect. on your own platform. You can't have it both ways. Yep. So that's where I come from is remove the original sin of that government intervention in the first place. Now, um, state action, lurking state action shows up in many forms. Sometimes government issues threats. They issue a combination of threats and inducements, carrots and sticks, to get private companies to censor speech or do anything through the back door that the government couldn't do directly. That's an illegal behavior on the government's part. And my general philosophy is if it is state action in disguise, then the Constitution still applies. Sometimes you got to rhyme these things to make them <laughs> land, okay? So, so what does that mean? Well, one thing is w- when I assume the role on, if I'm elected January 20th, 2025, we'll issue a day one order throughout the executive agencies. Any time in the last five years that a government bureaucrat, a federal employee – has either pressured or induced a private actor to take an action that the government couldn't take directly, they'll have to publish it. So so kind of what Elon did with the Twitter files for one company, we'll, from the other side, do it to any company in the economy. And and there's a a lot. I mean, this is going to be an ugly rot. But we have to roll over that log, see what crawls out, see the ugly reality for what it is. Then you have accountability because those are law-breaking actions by those government actors who purposefully tried to use a private company through threats and inducements to do what the government couldn't do directly. That's a threat to liberty. So that gives you some sense of how I would do is roll back some of the special protections and then on the government side, get our government actually following its own laws yeah. and expose it any time in the last five years when they haven't been. Yeah. Well, so lot, I can say I, more, yeah. but that's, that's, it, no, no, that's no, the no, basic that's a great point. points because I, I want to go to our next point, which is 9-11, which, of course, a lot of online internet censorship began with, especially when, yep, it, it, did. when it came to Cass Sunstein and the Obama administration and their larger laws that they put forward that Can allowed... Can see us, too, right now? Yes, yeah. they, they oh, see nice. us. We're on oh, camera yes. right now. Okay. They, 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 they allowed the, the government to essentially propagandize its citizenry, and they infiltrated groups. This is an issue that's particularly important for me because they still dominated the, the kind of conversation about this, especially when you brought it up. But I worked with not 11 first responders. I worked with not 11 family members. I worked with not 11 survivors. And they were not told the truth about that particular day. They are still asking some serious questions. A lot of not 11 first responders were told that the air was safe to breathe. So many of them died. So many of them I watched personally die myself. And this is such an infuriating thing because 9-11 was the linchpin issue. It started these, this kind of neoconservative 
competitive heyday where they were allowed to do whatever they want, especially when it comes to their larger founding of the Project for a New American Century and all the documents that they laid forward, literally bragging about what they were going to do, and then they implemented with their kind of new Pearl Harbor-like event. So my, my question to you, there's still a lot of documents that are not released. There's still a lot of information that we don't know anything about that particular day. Would you do anything about it release as president them all. of the Yeah. Release them all. I mean, it's the same same logic for me calling on the release of the transgender shooter manifesto in Nashville. How many federal agents were in the field on January 6th? Just, I mean, literally, what do we know about the Jeffrey Epstein client list? Just, just make it public. I mean, tell us the truth, not just when it's easy, but when it's hard. That's how we rebuild trust yeah. in this country. We're missing it. The reason people don't trust the government in part, people should never trust the government. But the reason people really don't trust the government now is that the government doesn't even trust the people with the truth. Trust is a two-way relationship. And so my view is we can handle it. It's like the end of that movie, you know, uh, what, a few good men. You can't handle the truth. No, we can handle the truth. Okay, the government right now is like the Jack Nicholson character in that movie. We, we've seen some of it. I mean, legally, the government has, has put out 20 years after 9-11 the declassified documents from the FBI, which clearly do not match what the 9-11 Commission or the FBI said shortly after 9-11 happened. And so that's concerning, but it's concerning only as part of a consistent pattern of what we've seen ever since. I would lie to you about the Hunter Biden laptop story. 51 former CIA intelligence operatives working with the media to decide definitively that that was Russian disinformation. We now know every bit of it was true, actually. I mean, how are money's being spent in Ukraine? Some Ukrainian kleptocrats buying a bigger house. That's what we've sent $200 billion over there for without any accountability. So I could give any range of examples. What was the origin of the COVID-19 pandemic? Came from a lab in China. Shut up, you racist. <laughs> oh, two years later. No, that was, that was actually... Yeah, Peter Daszak and the CIA that yep. we're working with, with Echo Health Alliance. Yeah, absolutely, yep. it, which is in the UK, and, and, and Anthony Fauci, you know, using our taxpayer dollars through the back door to fund something. It's, it's the big tech yep. example, by the way. Again, here, by the way, doing through the back door what you couldn't do through the front door. Yep. That's the threat to liberty. They're circumventing the Bill of Rights They're circumventing by the going Bill of through private businesses. And they did it with or, the Patriot Act. Or through, yeah. through non-profit actors like yeah. the EcoHealth Alliance, right. through the Wuhan Lab Institute of NGOs. Virology, which or the ESG movement, yeah. or BlackRock. Yep. Which they were allowed to do because of the Patriot Act that lifted restrictions yeah. on creating bioweapons, which Dr. Fauci essentially got his start it's with. unbelievable. Which is, which is just crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the vestiges of the Patriot Act have to go. And what I see today, though, see, see and I'm not criticizing you guys we're on the same page on this one but i'm going to engage in some self-reflection here it's what we're doing right now on this subject with all due respect is easy right we're looking at some decisions that people made 22 years ago and said how could they do it they screwed us over and, and they did and i and i'm not trying to i've been wrong about a lot of things but back when i was in college at the time it didn't make sense to me back then doesn't make sense to me right now but this part's easy the hard part is how do you do, how do you stop what seems like the obvious thing that you must be doing in the present, right? Look at another war brewing potentially in the Middle East. Look at this engagement in Ukraine. Watch that Republican debate last night where everything is framed in terms of, I mean, if you're, if you're adopting my view for everybody else on that stage, it's good versus evil and this guy's on the side of evil. No, that's dead set and wrong, actually. First of all, just because Russia's good doesn't mean, or Putin is behaving badly doesn't mean that Ukraine is good. But 
it's much harder to adjudicate that in the present. And so I do think we have to learn those lessons of the past, but part of me cringes at sitting here 20 years ago criticizing the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and the Patriot Act here at home, when in the present, we literally have mainstream candidates in both parties calling for censorship of dissenting views today. Yeah. And, and they are in, 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 in many instances where we're, we're yeah, right now. Exactly. I mean, Ron DeSantis, yeah. I just want people to understand this. You guys, I don't know if you're aware of this in the last couple of weeks. I'm not overstating this. It's just a description of it. The government in the state that we're in, Florida, called for the disbanding of student groups that adopted a particular opinion. Yeah, it's As, crazy. And his basis for doing it, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes yeah. And, 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 and his basis for doing it is saying, use the T word, terrorist. They're providing material support for a terrorist group. What was the support? Was it money? No. Was it munitions? No. It were yep. words. Yep. They were tweets. They were tweeting. But they were tweeting in support. Therefore, that's considered material support for a terrorist organization. This is Dick Cheney yep. bullshit. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. 100%. All over again. And if you look at so 9-11. Call it out in yep. the present. Because even in that audience I'm looking at it last night, you know, people are, you know— you know, get, let's get some head nods if you're talking about Iraq and Afghanistan, seven trillion. Yeah, that's right, bad. Right, right, right. Kill our sons and daughters. No, we don't like that. But then in the present, oh, yeah, no, no, no. We have to deal with hate speech today. How could we? How could that possibly be? Look what's happening across the country. These are terrorists. That's what it would have felt like to say in 2002. But today, the people are cool criticizing the 2002 people while they're literally the ones committing the same mistakes all well, over again. And they're, and they're that's Nikki Haley, that's yep. Ron DeSantis, that's the modern Republican Party. Then we're reliving what happened in 2001, essentially, with what just happened on October 7th. And we're going to be making the same mistakes. There's going to be a literally same kind are of, making them, not going oh, to, yeah, are and, making them. And, correct. and there's going to be an overreaction that's going to breed more terrorism, that's going to create more sectarian violence, that's so going to create more vacuums of power. It's like the Iraq war all over again. But now Iraq is Iran, which is absolutely mind boggling. And I think you're one of the candidates that is the strongest on this particular issue. Because people don't understand that World War III is on the menu here. Oh, oh, it's it's very much on the menu. We're we're closer to World War III. I'm looking around this room than any of us in this room have been in our lifetime. No doubt about that. Yeah, there's there's, there's, that's not that's not like I don't think it's a debatable contention that we're closer to World War III than we have been in a generation. And that ought to concern every American because we have this myth that somehow that's not going to – that's somebody else's problem. No, no, no. That's a problem for our own homeland right here. Absolutely. And, and, and the steps that we're taking are increasing that risk by the day. You made an interesting point there about the Iran and then the Iraq analogy. You'll remember – maybe maybe we won't, but this is an interesting of a learning from history. How we were told for a while that Saddam had some role in 9-11. I mean, that was in the ether around the time that we were talking about justified for then what became the search for weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. What does that mean today? Have hard proof for the claims of who's actually responsible for what. Is there water or something I could have here? Yeah, water? we'll grab you one. I'll, I'll grab you one. Uh, Clint, uh, ask your question. Well, I, I know we're still running on a uh, limited time. I'll do some of the buttons switching. Uh, well, let me, as, let me as, just as see. Those. Can take. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I, I know the connection that he's making already. It's the Iranian-backed militias and, and whether or not, I, I assume that's where you're headed, is that, that can, we, <laughs> can we actually prove out that Saddam Hussein was responsible for the WMDs in 9-11 and also... 
Can we so can we prove out that the every single strike that's happening against American bases all over the Middle East, which, by the way, why the fuck are we there? But uh, if if we can then prove out that Iran is actually responsible for all those, don't make a boogeyman. That, this Thank is you. like a, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, Iran is a, is a regime that's clearly hostile to the United States. But of course, my point is, I'm, as I'm commander in chief, do not hit us. But if you hit us, we will hit you back. But who is the you? It can't be some vague, nebulous boogeyman where everything ends up with a preemptive strike on Iran. But it right. always is. But which is where they yeah. want to go. I mean, yeah. these people have been wanting to do a preemptive strike on Iran forever. They're bloodthirsty, and they're looking for the first instance to do it. And Vivek, you know, you know and, that and many— I think, I think actually we—I I think Iran—I mean, there, there are many serious problems with Iran, but we're not solving those problems by violating the—think about the rules of proxy warfare here for a second. I mean, it's, the debate stage is too, you know— too short in segments to be able to do something like this. But just think about this for a second. So according to some, because you have a group like fill in the blank, I don't know, Hamas in this particular case, but it could be Hezbollah or whatever, because Iran funded that group and they hit an ally like Israel, that that gives the United States then the right to preemptively strike Iran. Right. On those rules of proxy warfare, just basic logic here, imagine you're viewing this from Mars again, on those rules of proxy warfare, that would somehow give Russia the right to hit the United States of America mm -hmm. because we're actually directly giving Russia those weapons for Ukraine. And, and by the way, I know in Israel there's a conversation about proportionality or whatever. Our advice to Ukraine is be disproportionate. That's a deterrent. Don't really mind civilian casualties. It doesn't matter. Russian you know, lives, it doesn't matter. Achieve the deterrent effect. The, the sheer contradictions between those two worldviews or the worldviews of the proxy warfare rules here, if, if Iran is funding some group that hits an ally, then the U.S. could preemptively hit Iran versus on those same rules just wake up people and see that that will be a justification for Russia to then hit the United States as we're arming Ukraine to the teeth. This is how you get to world war. Absolutely, you're 100% on that. critical rules of yeah. proxy warfare. So we have to apply simple principles of logic here. And I do think that the bloodthirst is, is once again starting to take over the Republican Party, and it's at its worst. Yep. When you have cynical actors who stand to make money from it, like Nikki Haley, whose family went from being in debt to becoming multimillionaires after her short-lived stint at the UN, monetizing her government connections as a military contractor on the board of Boeing and otherwise. It is shameful. It is ugly. It is corrupt. But I think that that unfortunately, further greases the wheels. Right. It's why someone like her should never come within spitting distance of anywhere near the levers of power in Washington, D.C. Absolutely. We're running a little short on time, but yeah. I just wanted to ask you, I have so many questions I want to ask you specifically <laughs> about warp speed and, and Epstein, but I know we're running short on time, but I wanted to ask this question because you brought up the Epstein incident before. Yeah. Do you know people who were involved in that that are in Washington, D.C.? And more importantly, is there any unraveling of this? Because this is a major story that a lot of people don't comprehend. Thousands of children were raped here with the direct help and financing of American tax dollars. This is a major issue. Is there any unwinding this without uh, unveiling the whole political system and collapsing it? So I will tell you that the latter consequence will not be a concern of mine. Good. That's not a constraint, yeah. right? I mean, if that's what happens, I'm not saying that I want that to happen. But the fear of that happening can't stop us from seeing the truth. You got to see the truth. I think, when it's ugly. I, th I think Megan McCain's... Especially when it's hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the answer. Yeah. Megan McCain's comments on this were, were pretty eye-opening. She said everyone in Washington, D.C. knew. 
and they were just allowing it to happen, which is absolutely crazy to understand. That's how sinister. That's how evil they yeah, get. Clint, you I, had I don't a take her word as the word of God. She yeah. has some issues, but of course. But 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 be that as it may, who, my view is whoever it is, left, right, doesn't matter. The government owes its people the truth, especially about the issues that are hard, not just the ones that are easy. Yeah. Okay. Now, it's all the way back to, you know, what do we know about JFK assassination? What do we know about UFOs? What do we know about the untold accounts of what has and hasn't been released about the COVID-19 pandemic or origin, about how many federal agents were in the field on January 6th? About what else? Unclassified documents relating to what we knew about Iraq, 9-11. Just... Lay it all bare. The public deserves to see it. That's how we get our country back. It's the first basic building block step yeah. to do it. It's square one. Just, just quick correction. It was Cindy McCain yeah, was so, that okay, actually okay. made that comment, not Megan McCain. McCain. I apologize Megan for McCain that. Megan McCain is not a particularly sensible individual. But if she said that, I wouldn't yeah. disagree with her. I, 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 non-sensible people can say sensible uh, of, things. Of course. But in this case, it sounds like uh, it, 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 she did not say sensible I, things. Okay. I know, I know you got to run here soon, so uh, let me just ask one more question. I you know, you have a, a background in biopharma. I, I would assume that you've done enough research to have at least a suspicion as to whether or not COVID was man-made, whether or not... The, it was man-made. Okay. And and if so, do you think that this was a larger operation that was released intentionally? And, and what should the consequences be if so? So I'm evidence-driven. I don't, I don't have any direct evidence to suggest that it was intentionally released... But I wouldn't be surprised if it was, right? I mean, I don't think it should be beyond the pale of discussion to consider yeah. that possibility, just as it was beyond the pale of discussion to, for a while, consider that it was man-made. And, and I think it absolutely was man-made in the lab. That's not—I I don't think most people who are close to this and having studied this would deny that. They would just say, oh, no, if it wasn't intentional, it was a lab leak. Well, if initially you thought it was in a wet market in the same city where there's a bioterrorism lab where you are engaging in gain-of-function research that's banned in the United States, but you still say it came from a wet market. Now you know it came from that very lab. I don't think it, it's it's the smaller leap now to yes. say that it was actually intentional from, exactly. an, Occam, from an Occam's Cause, razor cause, perspective. Because why lie otherwise? And, and so I think there are, there are, there are several spec, there, there are several possibilities within the spectrum of intentional, though. Mm. One is that, like, it's screw up the world and release this now, and that's possibility A. Possibility B is it, it was initially leaked, and I think this is the likely one. I think this is if you ask if I was a, you know, you were asking me if a, a betting really man. betting man. Yeah, yeah, I hate using that expression. I was about to say it, but <laughs> since you said it, I'll say it. Yes, if I was a betting man, I would say that here's probably what happened: is it was a inadequately followed procedure. And it was already spreading as an epidemic before the Chinese government had its full arms around the situation. And there was a chance this could be really bad for China. There were two factors that led them to say, let it rip. One is it's embarrassing. Mm. I mean, there's this culture that has real thin skin when it comes to embarrassment of the government. The government has thin skin. The government culture is that way. And the second thing is that, well, if we're going to go down, we're taking the rest of you down with us. And the evidence for that is how domestic flights were allowed. banned. No, no, no. Oh, in domestic China, they were yes. banned, but they were allowed to fly to but Italy, to the United States, and everywhere else. Right. right. So that's the clearest. I, mean, I tend to be evidence-driven, right? That appears to me to be 
likely, in fact, overwhelmingly likely, mm-hmm. just based on those decisions that were made to say that we want to stop it from spreading here, but we do want it to spread elsewhere so the rest of the world is at least as screwed as we are. That doesn't reduce the likelihood that it was intentional. I just haven't seen that the leak itself was intentional. I just haven't seen evidence to support that. Well, Would you do anything for victims of Operation Warp Speed? I think that they should have the right to sue. That would yeah. be nice. I mean, I think yeah. that right now, again, it comes back. It's like the equivalent of what I said for Section 230C2 about tech companies. Remember that? We were talking about the special right. form of liability. Protection. Opt in. I was, I was saying that before you switch channels, but the same people can still hear. Yeah, no, yes, 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 yes. You know, for, if people didn't hear that, it was just this thing we're talking about, special blanket of immunity for tech companies. It's a product of lobbying. Roll that back. Same thing for pharma companies. It's a special blanket of immunity for vaccine manufacturers. That's like literally specifically just for vaccine manufacturers. And right. I know like Ronald Reagan is this great figure who I love in many things he did, but he's not some perfect saint. It actually was under his administration that this was first enacted, the product right. of pharmaceutical industry lobbying. It was a mistake. It is just, there's, no, there's no logic for it. It's completely just a product of cronyism and lobbying that this one industry and one particular class of manufacturer says they have no product liability immunity or liability. They have no product liability, period. It's pure immunity from being sued. Roll that back. That's crony capitalism. And yes, in a true free market economy, torts exist. Yep. You have a legal system for sorting out those torts. You can't lie to him in a way that hurts him or give him something that knowingly was going to hurt him without him knowing. He has the right to sue you. That's the way things work in a true free market economy. It's a distortion to say if you're one special class of person, you can still do that, but are playing by a different set of rules. It's wrong. It doesn't make any sense. Roll that back and let the tort system work itself out. Perfect. I I just wanted to say um, the reason I ask about intentional release, and I hope that as president you will dive deep on this, is, you know, Anthony Fauci was circumventing gain-of-function research, uh, you know, prohibitions by doing it overseas through cutouts that look to be CIA operations through EcoHealth and Peter Daszak. And I'm not saying definitively. No, but I'm but just I, saying. I, 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 I want to camp. I'm in the camp of like my instinct is that there's a reasonable chance it was intentionally released. Yeah, I, I think there's a very reasonable likelihood that it was intentionally released. But we already have evidence to show that it was purposefully evading. Right. U.S. rules, funding gain-of-function research to create a man-made virus in a lab that was released one way or another and was almost certainly intentionally allowed to spread outside of China. Right. That much we already know. Yep. And so the only question is whether the actual first act of taking it out of the lab was intentional or not. It might have been. And, and would you support I, I prosecution that it was. If, it, if it's proven that Fauci was responsible, whether it's intentional or not? Not just him. Anybody in the chain that Thank intentionally you. knowingly broke the law. Exactly. Including but not limited to him. Right. What's your next fight? And if people want to help you, where can they help you? My next fight is to win this election. I think that for a long time, people of our you know way of thinking, and there's probably diverse perspectives in this room and amongst the listener base, but on advancing liberty, on believing that the people we like to run the government should be the ones who run the government, on believing that war is never a preference, only a necessity, on avoiding World War III as a vital national objective, on making sure that U.S. policymakers owe their obligation exclusively to U.S citizens here on American soil. I think this is not about moving the terms of the conversation. This is about moving the actual reality of the country. And I think we have a window to do it. I think Trump was an excellent president. He sets a high bar. I want to exceed that bar. I think I'm the only candidate in this race with not only a distinctive principled set of values, but with an actual ability to see this through, not just winning the election, but winning actually and reviving our country. So uh, 
I'll give you an example of last night. I don't know if you, you guys watched the debate last night. I was night. there. You yeah. were there. Yes. Yeah. Oh. yeah, I saw you there. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's I, right. I was watching at home. I was the one. Home. I was screen recording my uh, your best your best disses against him and posting. Yeah, them. but you remember like in the very in the beginning of the debate, I, mean, I was sort of in a unshackled mood, but you know, yes, I called you out were. Ron DeSantis. <laughs> I mean, uh, I called him too, but Ron McDaniel. They're all kind of the same. They're just vaguely <laughs> up in different forms, but. But she, she after the debate, so, so people were literally, apparently, and this is reported by the press, but apparently someone sitting in her row or, or in her vicinity was saying she was loudly talking about how the, I would not get another penny from the RNC. Right. Think about that. It almost proves my point about corruption. So if I say something bad about her, she's treating it like it's her money. It's right. not her money. She's a steward for someone else's money. But anyway, that's a long way of saying, I mean, you look at the establishment descriptions, right? Online, on the internet, you know, you guys be the judges of who won that debate last night. New York Times on down, dead last. Yes, ridiculous. Me. According yeah. to the people, it was you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I mean, but but, but the, that that disconnect says I'm up against a system here. The good news is I've lived the American dream. Our family's stopping at nothing. Financial, non-financial, the sacrifice we need to make to succeed. I need liberty-loving people across this country and true constitutionalists to lift us up to victory. If that's a dollar for you, let it be a dollar. If that's no dollars, you just go to no to neocons.com and sign our pledge. That's fine. If you're able to go to vivek2024.com and give a dollar, that's great. If you're able to give more than that, give more than that. It sends a signal, a big F you to that establishment that needs to hear it, and it puts me in a position to actually serve as your next president. That's why I'm in this, not to prove a point. I've written three books in the last few years. You can prove a point in a lot of ways. Well, you've said We're going to get this, turn this to reality. And so I'm going to ask at this stage between now and the Iowa caucus, which is January 15th, where I think we can surprise. The other thing is, if you're in Iowa or New Hampshire, you never participated in a Republican caucus or primary, show up. Many of the people showing up to our events on the ground in New Hampshire and Iowa, and Iowa in particular, are people who have never participated in a caucus before, independents, libertarians, et cetera. They don't get polled. So I think I'm in a position potentially to deliver a massive surprise in Iowa. If we do that, if I win Iowa, I'm your next president. Yeah. And so between now and then fundraising, showing up on the ground, whatever it is, Help us, Vivek2024.com. You guys do your part. I'm going to do mine. Uh, Love it. Vivek, yeah. with all due respect, um, I feel like a lot of people really are wondering and asking this question is, let's just say, um, you know, I feel like you're a brilliant man. I feel like a, a lot of people are really seeing how you're uh, giving some controversy and really coming into the public eye and, and gaining a lot of momentum here, sounding a lot like some of the Trump talking points um, in certain ways with like America first. I'm just curious um, if if you would ever consider running alongside him in, in case that you wouldn't make it as like the nominee for Republican. I think Trump and I share something in common in this way, but I can't, you know, I think he's probably this way, but I'm definitely this way. I'm not a plan B person. I'm just mm -hmm. not. I think my like brain is not wired. I feel like people would love it though. I've if, never if accomplished that were... my, I've never accomplished the things I've accomplished in my life. Uh, I'm not, you know, just for me, different people are out differently by being a plan B person. Mm -hmm. So we set out, we made a significant sacrifice here. We set out to achieve a goal. You know, I wouldn't have dragged my wife and kids through this for anything other than believing that we have an opportunity to change this country in the maximum way possible. That's the commitment that I made to my family, that Apoorv and I, you know, in some ways have made to ourselves and our kids, that this isn't some sort of step to move the conversation or to, to change the country in some other way. The scale of sacrifice we're making, we're doing this for one reason. I want to be the next president. So Last question answer. before you leave, because um, you got to go right now. Your most controversial opinion. Oh, I, that, that, that. I mean, there's a lot to choose from. There's a lot to choose from.
on that one, man. Uh, that, that requires an understanding of what well, other people well, think is controversial. Well, you think of that. I want to just say uh, your your commitment to this campaign, your willingness to. I, I I honestly think that this will be looked back as as a revolutionary campaign. Your willingness to speak to myself, Dave Smith, Luke, a bunch of people in the independent uh, media community. I think it has been profound. I think it has shaken the foundation of the establishment genuinely. Um, and I'm 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 rooting for you, man. And I just I hope that you can maintain this level of energy that you've. Uh, demonstrated so far because I know your schedule is fucking insane. Uh, so keep after it. Thank Seriously. you, man. I appreciate that. Let me give it some thought. You got to get back to we'll come back. You got a lot. You can search for everything I've said, and there's a lot to choose from, but I, I don't want to answer that one glibly. We'll talk about it. Vivek, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, Steph you, and Clint, you guys want to go after the thank Rumble you. rants and Super that. Chats? Yeah, Absolutely. So you guys sure. go after the you Super too. Chats. We'll My team, if you're watching, send the Super Chats into the, into the comment section on our Telegram chat. You guys answer the chats. I'm going to say bye. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Oh my Thank gosh. you very much. It's so good nice seeing you. you. Thank you for having me, guys. You guys keep doing good work. Thank you. Good seeing you, man. Thank you. Clint, how are you doing? It was great to meet you, man. I'll see you soon. Clint, how are you doing? Do you, do you have the super chats pulled up? Uh, I don't because I don't have the rumble on my phone. So if you can if you can read them, I will discuss. All right. Well, we have one here from Alex Von Karstein. What will Vec do to destroy the CCP? I want to destroy, not just hurt. Uh, I think that's a very dangerous perspective to hold, that you want to destroy the CCP, seeing as they have over 300 nuclear weapons. Uh, destroying them would entail probably nuclear Armageddon. So uh, I would reconsider the framing on that. This is my answer, obviously not Vivek's answer. Uh, obviously, I wish I had more time with Vivek because there's so much to talk about, so deep we could go on all of these issues. But I, I think that he's very forthright. I think what what impresses me most about him is that he's he's a sincere uh, thinker, you know, he's actually thinking about these things on on multiple levels, uh, really in a way that I've never seen, other than probably Ron Paul in my lifetime. Someone who's actually able to think about, you know, what are the unintended consequences of these policies? It's so rare to see a politician that actually discusses these things, and I, I appreciate it personally. Well, in an open and honest way, we didn't script any of these questions, by the way. It's not, not like not I, we asked hard questions, and I was just dying. I had a lot more questions I wanted to ask him, but he did stay an hour, even though he was late. So uh, his his staff were like, "Okay, come on, come on." But shouts out for him for the, the first time. I, I kind of got respect for him was when he was approached by Lynn Ulbricht, uh, the mother of Ross Ulbricht. If you want to find out more about that, go to freeross.org. And uh, I was there when they were talking. I, I met Vivek. I kind of forced him to meditate a while ago <laughs> by accident. But the second time I met him was with Lynn Albrecht. And uh, she came to him with the issue about free Ross. And he said, you know what? I'm, I got to look into it. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to support this or not. I'm not going to lie to you and bullshit you and tell you I'm going to be uh, you know, behind you when I don't know exactly what I'm supporting. He looked into the issue, came out and said, yeah. I, I support uh, the freeing and pardoning of Ross. So uh, my team's also asking me, are there super chats to read? Yes, there are some super chats. If you log into the studio and send them here, that'd be great. Did you guys read the rest of the Rumble rants that are in the she Telegram chat? One. One. We have two more right there. Okay, do you want to read them really quick, Steph? And then sure. we're gonna get out to all, we're gonna get off to all the Rumble rants. And now, if you're a member of LukeUnfiltered.com, you will be able to call in. If you are in that chat, make sure that you let us know that you want to call in. Let me just put it in who wants to call in. Members of LukeUnfiltered.com get to call in. You guys will be able to call in soon. Steph, read the Rumble Rides. We have RC123, they call me. Uncle Sam has failed national divorce. 
thank you, RC123, they call me. We have I am not your buddy guy saying, side note, you should do what Viva Frey does on YouTube and keep the Rumble link posted in the chat. Thank you for that. Um, so that that's a very good suggestion. I think it's also just a lot easier just to go to rumble.com and we're on the front page. So shouts out to, to Rumble for putting us on the front front page here and uh, getting this video out there as of course we are dominating uh, the picks and not of everyone live on Rumble. We are definitely the biggest channel on there right now. Let's as go. of course uh, we've been working hard. We just officially made a deal with Rumble and we will be going live. We got some big, big guests coming on this broadcast that are canceled. We got some new names for this podcast that I kind of actually like. I think are pretty cool that -hmm. we're going to be utilizing as, of course, we have a lot of really, really fun stuff. So if you haven't yet signed up to Rumble, logged in. When you log in, when you click the notification button, when you get the app, it does matter. It does mean a lot. If you're a new viewer, sign in. It does matter. And... um, Rumble Rants, everything else here is uh, absolutely an incredible way to be a part of the larger conversations as well as members of LukeUnfiltered.com, which, of course, will be able to call in and, of course, be a part of the larger conversation. I'm trying to make sure that the call-in window is going to be working. Uh, Clint, you could probably go back to the YouTube channel and see some of the super chats there because we didn't read all of them. We got a whole bunch of them. Steph has some. Yeah, I have some. So Oi Dirty Shinobi says... Why why is a Hindu a member of Jewish secret society Shabtai? What would you do to abolish the second constitution of 1871, which turned the USA into a corporation beholden to the bankers and not the people? Uh, well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Winston Alexander. I've heard heard about that before. I don't know enough about it to comment. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Got it. So here we have Winston Alexander saying, as president, will you publicly audit the Fed along with the gold reserves Fort Knox, New York City? Will you work towards making Bitcoin legal tender? I think he would answer yes to all of that, if I'm guessing. All right. We have... Vajotech Slezak, uh, excuse me if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, it looks a little Czech or something, NCCP. Again, with this NCCP, folks, you're, you're calling for nuclear war if you want to end the CCP. Just let, if communism is such a shitty idea, just let it fucking fail on its own. We don't need to. We don't need to go to war with them. And stop supporting and, and sponsoring it. You got to understand. Bill Gates literally goes over to China, helps them build the latest and greatest technological fucking advancements. He's building mini nuclear fucking uh, reactors there right now as we're speaking. And if it wasn't for our participation in that larger kind of communistic, non-inventatory kind of space, the space that is extremely restrictive, top down, it would have collapsed on its own. And it's predominantly because of the United States investment and participation in China. Why it's such a big country and why they have so much influence on the world. And if it wasn't for us bankrolling them, this all happened because of David Rockefeller and Henry Kissinger that literally started all of this all the way back to the 1970s when they, quote, opened up China to the rest of the world and then implemented a one-child policy there that, of course, was absolutely fucking brutal and a part of a larger eugenics program. So fucking hell. I wanted to make this point when we had Vivek, but I didn't get an opportunity to because our time was, was short. But you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna say that these are Iranian-backed militias, I can make the same argument because many of these very same militias have been funded by the CIA and our State Department, the United States. So it's like, 
Like, how are you going to differentiate all these proxies? The problem is we funded so many proxies. We then we then rug pull them and then they become funded by Iran. And then now it's Iran's responsibility. Well, what about the fact that they wouldn't have existed if not for American support in their origin story? It's like this. This is all very convoluted. And and people like like, uh, you know, DeSantis or Nikki Haley want to make this a real black and white issue. It's just not. It's just not. Yeah, and it's important to note that these same kind of Iranian rebels were fighting against predominantly the U.S., Turkey, Israeli, and Saudi Arabian-backed rebels who were previously known as, you know, ISIS, al-Nusra. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, for, for, for fuck's sakes, it's, it's, it's absolutely retarded what hap- what's happening there. And the larger war in Iraq has allowed Iran to have a larger sphere of influence on the region. All right, so we're going to have a question from Rich Wright, who's going to be calling in here. I'm, I got to double-check that this works here. We'll see if it does. I'm going to see if I could start the video and then get you guys calling in here rich right can you hear us yeah i definitely can man that's so great to be on here um good work uh good work getting vivek um on your show uh and um that, that was cool that you got to go to the debate last night um yeah he crushed it so my question or what i'd want to essentially kind of ask you guys get your take on is uh wouldn't you say that event 201 is a pretty big deal in terms of like a smoking gun when it comes to uh covid absolutely especially with the 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 other kind of drills that they continue to do today with things like cyber polygon but if you look at specifically event uh, uh, 201 it was a three to five hour pandemic tabletop exercises hosted by the John Hopkins Center for Health Security in partnership with the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Why are they always involved in all of this? Why are they always participating in all of this is a question that I think a lot of people should be asking themselves. But yeah, absolutely. I agree. Event 201 is uh, is essentially a war game, a drill that they conducted before launching their full-on operation to make sure that they had their tentacles of control all within the larger agencies that played a bigger role here, where they even went as far as to discuss the larger kind of censorship of social media that, quote, would be dangerous against a larger pandemic that was released to the general public. So, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's an amazing event to to bring up here. The, the later, bigger one that they did was, of course, Cyber Polygon, and uh, that was a, a major one. Clint, what do you think about Event 201 as my camera kind of went haywire now? Uh, it happens when we take callers, but uh, don't worry about that. Um, Look, they do a lot of pandemic preparedness drills, so it's like it's very hard to say definitively. But the fact that it was an airborne coronavirus, as far as my recollection serves, uh, yeah, it, it raises a lot of fucking red flags, if I'm being straight with you, dude. So I, I, I think that there needs to be a full-on investigation, and it really needs to be independent. It, I don't trust the GOP, and I don't trust the DNC. The, their hands are all fucking dirty, dude. Like, everybody in the, the current establishment, as far as I'm concerned, is culpable and likely guilty of the same uh, crimes of Anthony Fauci because they stood by and they permitted it to happen. So can you expect... The, the police to police themselves. That's essentially what we're talking about with our congressional representatives at this point. So we need actually independent uh, arbiters of, you know, the judicial system to do so. And, you know, maybe Vivek is the guy that could actually put in a, an attorney general that would actually go after these people. I don't know. Rich, I hope that answered your question. Do you have anything else to say and any other comments? Yeah, I mean, I would just I, I would I think that uh, Vivek 
uh, might be void of that information. And I think that's the that's kind of the piece I think the only piece that he's missing with that whole thing. So you, maybe you guys uh, could um, you yeah, know share that with on. him. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is not going to be the only conversation we're going to have with Vivek, as of course, uh, you know, I've known him for a while. We always meet each other. We always say hi to each other. And I think it, as his political progression continues, we are definitely going to be staying in touch and doing a whole bunch of uh, interviews moving forward, especially with this live show, especially with everything that happens, because a lot of his kind of deeper viewpoints do align. He is new on the scene, and that's why we asked him a lot of kind of off-the-cuff questions like, hey, what did you realize about how corrupted this entire industry is? Which, um, which you know, I thought was very interesting because you kind of saw the kind of stress on his face. Like, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of that. He's like, I'm up against it. I mean, I I love to to see his realization in real time. He's like, yeah, yeah, this is this is way darker than I had even expected. Rich, thank you so much for calling in. We got another. Thank you so much uh, for being a member of LukeUnfiltered.com. We got another question here by Nick that we're going to be calling right now. And uh, maybe Nick will be responding. But again, this is live, unscripted. Nick previously called beforehand. He seems like a cool, righteous dude. Nick, how are you? Hope you're doing well. Uh, What's your question? And then feel free to turn on your video camera if you want. Nick, can you hear us? Hey, how's it going? Welcome. Can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, brother? Hey, how's it going? Yeah. So, guys, great. That was great, actually, getting Vivek on. Um, question actually, uh, two act, uh, two part right here. So with Ron Paul, the guy I that was, needs to clean like, his closet. No, no. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah. But, yeah, but with, um, Ron Paul, like the Ron Paul revolution, I was young as hell, man, back then, like <laughs> really young. So I wasn't around during that time to kind of fill the environment, but I love what Vivek is doing him and Trump with this movement. And, I, I feel like whether Vivek, Trump, I hope one of the two wins personally. But with that being said, the movement and the, what they're doing, it's important for America, the freedom movement, man. Luke, quick question. You were involved with the – We Are Change was in 11 youth, like in the beginning, right? You broke up there, but uh, We Are Change started mm-hmm. in about 2006, and it broke off from uh, New York, Not 11 Truth. Okay, then with all that, man, you've done great work with all that. Um, with someone who's born post 9-11, man, could you give a completely uncensored, you know, I know it's very long. Could you elaborate a little bit on like what the media obviously are trying to hide from all of us? Wow. That's a very big uh, yeah. loaded question. But uh, yeah. essentially, if I could just summarize it very quickly, um, because we are all, we are also running out of time. We also have another engagement that we have to go to. But um, there has been a larger satanic demonic death cult that has hijacked all the positions of power, and they're using it for very sinister means. And the only way to really fight back against it is through love, personal responsibility, and liberty that should be our driving forces in this world, as well as practicing the non-aggression principle that we should be living by as of course there's a war on for your health your well-being and your happiness and being all of those things being happy being wealthy being successful being an individual who of course is able to survive is a modern day act of resistance that's how i would just summarize it really quickly definitely thank you guys awesome did you have any other questions i think that's pretty much it y'all 
Yeah, Nick, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you so much for being a member. Really appreciate that. And really appreciate all of you amazing human beings who sent in Rumble Rants, Super Chats. I want to make sure that we don't have any other chats that weren't kind of read here. As of course, we also have Streamlabs open. And we want to make sure that you guys are also a big facilitator of these conversations because your Super Chats, your, these these things literally keep us going. These things, we still don't have uh, you know these things figured out. As you can see, we take a call. This camera goes goofy. Clint still hasn't been paid. Clint deserves to be <laughs> paid pay me stephanie <laughs> de, stephanie deserves a raise and we're working with like bootleg old like software here that we're like hoping and praying works and doesn't fuck up because sometimes it does fuck up so your support is is greatly greatly appreciated and one of the easiest ways to do that is by becoming a member of lukeunfiltered.com it's quick it's easy it's simple and uh, it, it, one way to, to specifically do it is by just going to, of course, uh, the website. And then once you go to the website, you're able to, of course, log in. And then through that, you're able to, of course, call into the show and be a part of the conversations by actually calling in at the end here. So LukeUnfiltered.com, truly the way to be a part of these larger conversations. And we can't thank you guys enough for doing that, as, of course, this is only the beginning of our independent media journey. We've got a lot of very big guests coming. Sign up to Rumble. Click the subscription. Click the notification button. I, again, it's important. Sign up. Sign sign up on that account. You're not signing up to Globalist, Alphabet, Bilderberg, Influenced fucking YouTube. You're signing up to an alternative platform that needs people to sign up, that needs registered users, that needs you to subscribe, that needs you to click the notification button, because when you do... It's also, in my opinion, a modern day act of resistance, even though it's very easy and convenient for me to say this, as of course, you're, you're essentially supporting us. But if you don't, we wouldn't be here. We've been around for 18, 19 plus years now. I've been doing this for way too long, and <laughs> the fight is only going to get a lot crazier and, from here. And, and, Clint. I, think, and yeah. I think you've only just begun. Uh, yeah, if anybody wants to support my work, I do have a, a locals page, libertylockdown.locals.com. Also, if you subscribe over on X at Liberty Lock Pod, I will follow you back i really do appreciate those that support my work and uh i just wanted to say you know this was a really i've already had uh, vivek on liberty lockdown this was really special to get to talk to him in person i hope that we we uh didn't serve him up softballs i i didn't feel like we did but i'm sure some people will be like you should have hit him on this well We'll have a second opportunity. So if you want to hear some, uh, you know, specific questions asked of him, make sure you, you send those over to us and, and we'll work on, on going even deeper and harder with the guy. Uh, that sounded homosexual. I apologize. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And uh, last but not least, uh, Tower Gang, I co-host Liberty Lockdown. I is my primary show. Follow it on Rumble and YouTube. And I will be on Timcast IRL next Wednesday with Dave Smith. It's going to be fun. Seems like a reoccurring trend, the the kind of... Um, yeah, the gay yeah, stuff. The gay stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm just Adding very comfortable. Adding to the gay stuff, I mean, I still have butterflies in my stomach. It's so amazing to have these guests coming in and shedding light and, and also us being able to continue that conversation in a free speech place like Rumble. Thank you so much. My name is Stephanie. You can find me on Instagram at Steph We Are Change. Thank everybody for supporting us tonight. This is a very amazing conversation we had here today. 
softballs. We went after Jeffrey Epstein. We went after 9-11. We went after World War Three. I mean, we Bio, asked him. Bioweapons? Yeah, we asked him if he knew anyone, a part of the Epstein conspiracy. Like, is that a fucking softball, especially people within Washington, D.C.? Fuck no, man. Like, who else is going to be asking these types of questions and having these types of conversations when you're literally trying to unfold a fucking CIA Peter Daszak Echo Health Alliance plot to poison the fucking world? Thank you. Where else are you having those fucking conversations? Nowhere else except here on rumble.com forward slash we are change. Subscribe. I love you. Yeah, that was a fun show. That was awesome. Yay.